Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the Sly Hooper Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. We are previewing the Cavs in this episode, and I know I said this episode would come out the day after I did the Sixers preview podcast with my Blue Wire Hustle teammate, David Arroyo. But some scheduling conflicts, you had to push it back a day. It's all good. The homie's always welcome on the podcast. And that homie is Evan Damarell. He's been on a few times. The mo- Actually, he's made the most guest appearances on this podcast. Good friend started out at Hashtag Basketball Together. And he's been a rising star, especially covering Cleveland sports. Editor of Fear the Sword. Co-host of the Locked On podcast with Chris Manning. And now, he has a new venture. Writing for Facebook Bulletin. And we'll let him explain what that venture is. How he got to Facebook Bulletin. And just what led up to it. And the long rollout that he did that was was, uh, pretty suspenseful. It's going to cover all Cleveland sports now, but as I imagine it's going to be a lot more Cavs-centric because that's uh, that's where his attention is. We actually went a bit long in this podcast, but I don't mind because it's always good talking to Evan. And just, you know, when when two friends are just talking hoops, that's what you get. You get a long podcast. And uh, it was fun, though. And it was interesting. I think the Cavs are one of the more interesting young cores in the NBA because I do think there are some... You know, some flaws, but there's a lot of promise there, too, because there's Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, and that, in my opinion, is the backbone of the franchise. And, you know, we talk about Colin Sexton, too, is really good. Some Isaac Okoro second-year expectations, the Jared Allen extent. We go over all of it, and we determine at the end whether or not the Cavs will make the play-in. And I agree. And I asked exactly one Ben Simmons question because I am Simmons doubt. But without further ado, here's Evan Damarell. All right. We're talking Cleveland Cavaliers today. We are going to preview them. They are interesting in some ways, even though LeBron left uh, two years or was it two or three, two years ago, right? Uh, three years ago, four years ago. Was it four years ago? Yeah. This I is LeBron's was, fourth uh, season with the Lakers, isn't it? Yeah, I was 24 when that happened. I feel so old. I'm closer to 30 than I am 20 because of LeBron James <laughs> leaving. <laughs> I'm going to be 30 next month, so I'm not dreading it. But uh, that voice is Evan Damarell. He's the co-host of the Locked on Cavs podcast. He co-hosted with Chris Manning. Used to be at Forbes Sports, but now he has... A new endeavor. I should also mention he's the editor of Fear the Sword, which is the SB Nation uh, Cavs blog. But uh, Evan has a new endeavor now. He writes for Facebook Bulletin, and his section is called Write Down Euclid, which is a signature call from the late, great uh, Fred McLeod. Rest in peace. So, Evan Damarell, hello. Welcome back. Hello. Hey. I still haven't watched Attack on Titan, but how are you? Uh, I, I just want to update you up, up up front. Like, just I've uh, been a little busy this summer since we last spoke, uh, obviously. But I just I've I've been watching Curico, 
and I'm enjoying it whenever I have some free time. But mm-hmm. I, I'm, I, I'm all things considered, I, I'm good, man. Uh, not a whole <laughs> lot's up. I'm, I'm glad to be back on my favorite, one of my favorite podcasts, one of my regular listens, and I, I'm, I'm just good, all things considered. How are you? Uh, like we were talking about pre, like we were. T- well, first of all, the Attack on Titan just it it kills me. But you know, I'm not one of those guys that's gonna, you know browbeat you over the head with attack on titan watch it watch it because we tried several t- if, if folks are regular listeners to any of jordan's work this is he's attempted five or six times i believe at this point <laughs> on air to get me to watch it and i've tried every time and i'm just like i can't <sighs> i'm it, like a basic white girl i can't even oh <laughs> being from bakersfield Cal- actually you know what? i'm just gonna leave it at that um but um so before we, I was saying before we were recording, um, I'm good except in my sports life. Being a fan of three different teams from three different cities, your sports experience can be varied, and unfortunately, the stars are have aligned to where all my teams are just trying to send me to the shadow realm, like right away, the tenth dimension of sports hell, and uh, between the Padres just utterly collapsing, uh, the. Uh, Una- I will n- be- we I won't mention him until the end but the whole Sixers and the you know who saga and then I read the report today that Tom Brady wanted to come to the 49ers and they basically said no he's marginally better than Jimmy Garoppolo which made me dead on the inside and uh but other than that I'm good I'm peachy and I'm ready to talk about something non I'm gonna ex- ask exactly one Ben Simmons question all the way at the end so that's it but uh, you said, his, you said his name. I did say his. I know. I just uh, broke my own rule again. Fill, fill out your finger. Fill out your bingo sheets at home, folks. I'm looking at this Tom Brady thing. I didn't know about this. Mm-hmm. That is tough. It was. Report- I liked his. I liked his theoretical fit with the Niners too. It, it was reported too, like they were looking at Tom Brady like way back when. But now this yeah. book that's come out with all the details, it's like. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's even tougher because he grew up a Niners fan. Nine, he was there for the catch. He's a native. He's a, He's a San native. Mateo native. Um, but uh, Evan, gonna, let's I'm, gonna, let's, I'm, rub, I'm rubbing some salt in the wound to get you going. Early. You love doing that. And I also know that you were behind that locked on Cavs tweet where Tristan Thompson hit a three in Philadelphia before Ben Simmons, Me? which Never. is a factual no, it's, statement. It's our, social, it's our social media intern also named Evan. <laughs> Uh, we'll oh. stop folks if you do reach out to ask for an internship the answer is still no we've been asked in the past and i'm just like buddy i don't think we have the budget <laughs> it's like when somebody approached me once saying like hey do you guys have any full-time jobs if you're the sword and i'd like sit there and think about it for a second i'm like how do i put them down gently and i'm like listen i get paid nowhere near full-time salary to be an editor for this website I don't think we have the funds to pay you full time and give you benefits to write for us. I don't think you had the facilities for that big man. Yeah, <laughs> no. exactly. Um, so Evan, let's before we talk about the Cavaliers, because I do think even though they're pro- projected to be a playing team, I'm not so sure about that, but we'll get into it. They are still interesting nonetheless. But first, let's talk about your new endeavor with a Facebook bulletin. It was a yeah. long rollout that was akin to a Kanye West album rollout. But uh, I and I wanted to text you, uh, you know, way mu- 
a few months back, even before you announced it, before you could make I it don't, official. I don't know. But I, I was like, to be flattered or insulted by that because <laughs> either you think I'm a genius like Easy, or you think I'm insane like Easy. And I kind of <laughs> I toe the line more often than not. Little so. column A, little column B. Little column A, column B. Yeah, uh, balance but, uh, is good in life. I was I wanted to text you, be like, hey man, we're just friend to friend where are you working at but then you 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 had the suspense up so well you held it up so well that i was like you know what no i'm gonna find out <laughs> through an announcement i just have to know i don't i just want to sit back and wait but uh yeah, let's talk about I, your new let's talk about your new um your new endeavor with uh write down Euclid on a facebook bulletin so yeah i do feel bad because i was gonna launch back in july initially and then alongside every other like national writer because i'm locally based in cleveland for full disclosure if my bosses at facebook are listening and from what i gather they listen and consume a lot of content that their people make but like so you had folks like aaron andrews um paul lucas from uni watch is somebody i've connected with during this process too like they were the first people launched and they kind of had more of a national syndication and they're like okay well we're gonna let them have their moment in the sun. Literally like a half hour before I was supposed to launch, like I had every announcement ready to go. I had all my branding set up. Like it's been a fun process. It's been really cool. Um, it, weirdly enough, I, you and I were talking about this, like just betting on yourself, like going solo and everything like that. And just kind of like doing what you love to do. I was genuinely unhappy with what I was doing. I was working in engineering full time. It's what I study. I studied biomedical engineering at the University of Akron, who was, you know, at one point up seven nothing on Ohio State before the rest of the game happened. But <laughs> it, I just wasn't happy. I was frustrated. Um, yeah. So I was just kind of looking around. Um, it, it's hard to get into media, especially in Cleveland. Like, in my background is sports coverage. Like, you and I got started at hashtag basketball. I was covering the Hornets and then slowly <laughs> worked my way from there to Oklahoma City to the Cavs. And then I did the Cavs, Team USA, and NBA 2K before I left to cover the Cavs for just a couple other blogs. And then, uh, like you mentioned at the top, I was at Forbes for a while and then. I was just like this is really fun i enjoyed doing this i finally had full media credentials through forbes i was getting to know people in like the community and getting to know people on the team and executives and things like that and like i felt pretty comfortable in saying like okay i think if i took this chance i'd have a good shot but i need that shot to materialize so this is god back in december of last year december january of last year december of last year january of this year and I was just scrolling through one night because I couldn't sleep because I was, again, frustrated with my work situation. And I'm just like, I have to get up in a couple hours and I'm going to be annoyed the entire day. Um, and it's just, it's tough because, and then like, so I'm like scrolling through and then I think it was like Gizmodo or like an offshoot website of like that caliber, like just announced that like Facebook is investing in local news initiatives. And I'm like, Okay, so I went on to the like actual like development site, and then they're like, "Yeah, no, we're looking for applications for locally based journalists." Blah blah blah. We would appreciate if you're independent, because it's like, no, we don't have to break contracts and stuff. I'm like, well, I'm all these things. And I'm just like, oh, what the hell? I'll apply. Um, I didn't hear a word. I applied to a couple of other jobs, didn't get them, um, unfortunately, and then I was just kind of frustrated still, <laughs> just unhappy. And I said this in my intro post, but like, I was with a company before this who let me go due to downsizing and i told myself then and there i'm going to do something to put myself in the situation and never be like this again where i'm so genuinely unhappy every day and 
obviously didn't listen to my advice at first because I ended up in the same situation like that. But, <laughs> um, but it was my like I think of Tyler the Creator when he mentions how he got technical difficulties. That's uh that happens in yeah. show business sometimes. But you were mentioning Tyler the Creator, um, and you were bringing up an so, example with him. So uh, let's pick up right right there. Okay, so yeah, I so have you ever seen the interview where Tyler was sharing about how he was fired from Starbucks and it was the single greatest thing that ever happened to him? Yes, I have. Yep. Yeah, so that's what my thought process was behind my intro post because again, that happened. Like I was let go. I worked my ass off. Worked. I was on salary, so I worked more than like two, three weeks worth of work in a week, and that was the expectation for months on end. And I'm just like, you know what? Fuck you all. I'm never going to be in this situation like this again. So like this opportunity came along. I didn't think anything was going to happen. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe it's just not meant to be. That is what I told myself back in May. I was just like May 1st. I just said like, I just don't think this is meant to be. It is what it is. Like I, it's okay. Like I was, I was, I was getting ready to move on. And then my now boss emailed me saying like, hi, Evan. Um, my name's Sam. Like, do you have time to talk tomorrow? Like me and a few others are going to talk about this opportunity. I'm like, I forgot I applied to this, but I'm just like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and then, so I chatted with them and then they literally offered me the position on the spot. They're like, yeah, we really want to bring you on. Like we've been monitoring your work from afar for a few months. So that's probably the, like, that was why there was a delay in our response. Cause we wanted to like, make sure you were legitimate and like passionate about your community and like, the whole like like you said at the top um right down euclid is a homage to fred mcleod who is my childhood idol and part of the reason why i fell in love with the Cavs just because of his play calling and how energetic and excited he got one of the generally nicest people i've ever met too yep um his his death really hurt when it happened and i think yeah um he's still going to be a stable this i mean the, Cavs the entire nba are- community just, oh, it, for sure. Like, yeah, it was the, the Cavs named his their, their media room after him. So, like, that's a special tribute to him now too. And like, during the pandemic, they redesigned it so it's a little bit more. Because so t- Fred was known for his ties, so I think the door handles yeah. are ties now and everything like that too. So, like, it, it's it's a nice little. T- it's the little thing. All the play by play announcers, the local play by play announcers, were wearing different colorful ties and stuff to honor him. It was really cool to see. I wonder. So I don't know if it was the case for all of those guys but um fred had an extensive tie collection and his wife beth was like fred always said you needed a good tie guys a lot of members who were like established on the beat for a very long time beth sent them like a personalized tie, like a hand-picked tie from fred and mm. then like they wore that on opening night and then like a lot of the media me- and like a lot of the staffers and pr folks had them on too like it was a nice touch but yeah so fred was that was the homage at the name and now I'm fully independent. Um, I mean, yes, I'm technically employed by Facebook, but I'm fully independent. They don't control what I do and don't say, um, they're just big, like they provide the resources for me in order to succeed. And, and they let you cook. Yeah. They let me cook. They said, yeah, you can talk about sports. you can talk about the Browns. You can talk about the soon to be guardians. You can talk about the calves, even though God knows why you want to listen or hear it, talk about them. But, it's not just that it's their impact on the community as well and i think the cool thing is with working for a social media company like this is you have the luxury of interacting with your fans and readers directly yep and saying like okay well what do you want to hear about because i i've said a few times a few times now like i'm only one person i can only 
cover so many topics in a given day and most of my focus is the Cavs right now because they're almost back and I'm gearing up for the season and then like just to tease a story that's maybe coming in the coming weeks probably about mid-October like I had a reader reach out and say like hi I uh I play for the semi-professional rugby team in Cleveland. We're actually competing for the national championship. And he's just like, would you want to come out and cover a game and just like chat with us? I'm just like, hell yeah, I want to come out and chat with you guys. Cause I played mm-hmm. a little bit of rugby in college and I was just like, I-, I sucked, but I played a little bit. And then oh wow, it's been really <laughs> cool getting to know these guys and just like learn about the community, learn about just like the impact how it's growing in northeast ohio like it's not um a high school it's not officially recognized or sanctioned by the ohsaa which is the ohio high school athletic association but it's growing and gaining legitimacy and i'm like you know what yeah if i uh didn't meet you guys i would have no idea that any of this existed and like it's really cool there's like a couple thousand people to come out and i'm like you know maybe more people should be aware of this so it's stuff like that i'm always open to hearing pitches um another example is is it's something about birding and rocket mortgage field house. I won't share too many details, but it's a very interesting story. And I said, I'll be frank with you. If you didn't reach out with me about reach out to me about this, I would have had no idea because I don't bird for a living. Like I have friends who do that because they picked it up as a pandemic hobby. And I'm just like, no offense to folks who like to bird, but I think there's better ways I'd like to spend my time than getting up at 5 a.m. on a Saturday to go watch a certain bird. Like, so the funny thing is, the water. funny thing is, I have a lot of friends who go. The college I went to is Humboldt State. It's way, way, way up in Northern California, surrounded by mm-hmm. redwood trees and nature. And birding is like one of the activities to do up there. Um, it's it was oh, a it. it was a course too in college, and so. Um, I had a lot of friends who bird and we had a club rugby team. So I would see a few rugby games. So like, this is, uh, it's pretty interesting to, uh, hear, to hear you talk about this stuff. It's good that you're yeah. out there covering the community too, independently, because I think that's, that's one, you're obviously a native, but you are also like, you, you also do a great job covering the Cavs. You're oh, passionate you. about Cleveland sports and it's, it's really, it's really dope to see. And uh, we'll touch on a few articles that, uh, you know, you've dropped the last few days and write down Euclid. And also, going back to the Kanye West corollary, nice uh, preview of the rugby story. <laughs> the nice little It'll, album rollout. <laughs> I, I put a hard deadline on myself, but because I've learned I need to stop doing that because the when I wrote about Ricky Rubio today, I'm like, yeah, I'll have that done by Friday. Oh, and I had like, to learn Tuesday, to stop doing that too. Yeah. Tuesday evening, I'm just like, fuck, I have nothing. <laughs> and I have no motivation to write about it right now because I'm so tired. And well, then you just had to dig deep, man. I, I Ricky Rubio, I'm, I'm excited about him. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll talk we'll, about him at some we'll, point we'll, too. We'll, well, one of the guards I do want to bring up first is uh, one Mr. Colin Sexton, who has been a, I feel like, for full disclosure, if people don't follow Evan on social media, there was a little saga over the summer. Evan kind of had his uh, anime character arc development, if you want to be a little nerdy about it. But he was uh, kind of, uh, nicely. he was kind of uh, labeled as a uh, hater of Colin Sexton. And I have to say, I feel partially responsible too. Cause I, I, so I would like to apologize because I was on a locked on Cavs episode and I did pose the question that the Cavs get the number one pick in the draft. Would you trade, uh, Darius Garland or Colin Sexton if it meant getting Cade Cunningham and you picked Colin Sexton. And I remember the Cavs discord reacted to the locked on Cavs discord 
that I'm in um, with obviously you and Chris Manning moderate that whole community. They reacted to the episode in a nice way because they know that I'm yeah. in there, I feel. But they were like, why? Why can't why are we always talking about trading Sexton? And apparently that was uh, one of the most listened to episodes that month. And uh, I feel like that started still because is. of well, uh, in general, it's still I'm uh, most listened to. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, don't worry about it. I think I was on my social media hiatus at that point, too. So I just didn't really bother checking it. But um, I told Jordan this. Um, I, I took a break from Twitter just just as a mental purge towards the end of last season, just because I was tired of the toxicity. I changed some settings and I just came back and carpet bomb Sexton Twitter with all the trade rumors <laughs> I was hearing. So like saying it was my anime character arc, like that's the nicer way of putting it. I, like, I felt like I was being a terrorist for these people, these <laughs> kids at some times. Cause like it's, it's, it's the Gen Z culture where like they make like the Stan accounts and stuff. And like, I just don't get it. Cause I'm almost 30, mm-hmm. but um, like our listeners, if like you're a regular listener, because folks who join our server for the most part, I want to say are regular listeners of the show and they know where I stand on Colin. They know two ish, three years ago, I said, yeah, he could be a six man, but that was my projection for him too. I was not a Sexton fan. You know this. I was not a Sexton yeah. fan when he was coming out of Alabama. Oh, I wasn't either. I hated the pick, but partially because this is the kid we got for trading Kyrie Irving because I mean look at this way Ante Zizek was the last piece of that trade Mm -hmm. and he just left Cleveland not too long ago then there's Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder who barely lasted half a season there and so it's just it's tough man like you say that two years ago and like people crystallize your entire opinion based on that they just don't you're not allowed to change your opinion as the facts go you know this number one rule of the internet (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's the number one rule of the internet is like if you say something two years ago, it's held against you since. And like screenshotting. Like, oh, yeah, they're like people are saying like, or like the the Nakaya's clips like we have the film. Like oh yeah, we saw you. Yeah. <laughs> we saw you. <laughs> there is film. <laughs> yeah, the the Denzel Valentine thing yesterday introduced me to that, and I was just like, <sighs> yeah, you got you got quote tweeted by Nakaya's, and that kind of uh, gained some traction. You Nikias got this is a good dude. Yeah, he he's he's, he's smart as hell too. Like oh, he's one of the smartest people I've ever interacted with basketball, and I've said this a few times on my show, and I'll say it on here. Like an NBA team would be foolish not to hire him, either in an analytical role or as a writer. Like if he could yeah. do a little bit of column A, column B they'd be pretty good off because he's such an intelligent basketball writer too. And like he, you can tell he loves talking about it, which is yeah. incredibly refreshing because a lot of people who cover this sport can get jaded myself included sometimes. Yeah. But um, I so, watched yeah, basketball I, and played basketball and my dad was a high school coach and I learned yeah. all types of things when I listened to the dunker spot or read Nikias's work. Yep. But uh, anyway, continue. Yeah. No, and so it's funny you mentioned that as an offshoot. Like, I have friends, my co-host, Chris Manning included, who, like, sometimes judge me when they say, well, what kind of podcast do you like to listen to? And I'm like, it's like, do you like to listen to, like, The Low Post or any of these basketball pods? Like, a huge list. Like, I know people who, like, live, breathe, and eat basketball pods. I'm just like, yeah, I listen to The Low Post every now and then. Like, what do you mean every now and then? I'm like, well, if he has a guest, it's, like, interesting, sure. But I'm like, I support my homies, and that's it. Like, I'll listen to their content, especially if it's, like, ingratiated like, sounded like some stuff. gatekeeping questions <laughs> it, it did but and then i like counter back by saying like listen especially now that i do this full time but like i talk about the calves three times a week in the off season five times a week during the regular season and maybe the postseason one day 
Um, I write about them at various spots. I have to edit them. I am in online discourse and conversations about them every day. When I'm consuming a podcast, I'm trying to entertain myself. The last thing I want to do is listen to somebody regurgitate takes on something I've already like talked about a zillion times. Like, like Ben Simmons. Like we talked about this too. Like we only have one Ben Simmons question, and I thank you for that because we talked about Ben Simmons for about a month straight on my podcast, and my co-host had to say like, guys, stop, stop with the Ben Simmons <laughs> questions. Like that, and like Kevin loves stuff. Like we're tired of talking about those too. Mm-hmm. Is like, it's just like. So, but get, getting back on track here. So, Colin, I like Colin a lot as a player. Um, Same. I, 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 I'm really bullish on Young Bull, pun intended there. I think entering his contract season, this is going to be interesting. I do wonder because of the Michael Porter Jr. extension that maybe there's a little bit more pressure now on his camp and the Cavs to kind of come to an agreement before the season starts because – I was talking to an executive about this in the Western Conference the other day, and they're like, yeah, Colin could test the waters, but there's a realistic off- outcome where he could get Dennis Schroeder and have to sign like a really middling contract because the money just dries up like instantly because Harden's a free agent, Kyrie's a free agent. Like Those are two of the bigger names. Like, Yeah, they, they'll likely stay in Brooklyn, but crazier things have happened. And then if you look at it, like teams with cap right now, if the Wizards do something with Brad Beal, they'll have cap. Then you have like Memphis, and then you have San Antonio, like – Maybe Memphis makes sense if they want to offload some of their older talent and they keep like this perpetual rebuild they're doing because I was so high on the Grizzlies and then the moves they made this offseason. I agree. Sit back and I'm just like, I agree. You have John Morant right here. You need to like put your pedals to the metal a little bit and start like you get some shooting. Maybe yeah. a healthy season from Jaron Jackson Jr. Like, can we just have that you, first? You have you, know? you have found the guy now build around it like the mavericks are doing a poor job of it at times with luca but at least they're trying yeah um but back to colin fans like his diehard die in the wolf fans um the cult of sexton is sexton's person the cult of personality of colin sexton is what i like to call them sometimes also i call call them crazy people um because quite literally one of them threatened to kill me and that's when i was just like okay i'm gonna pull away for a little bit but um People will pull up that old evidence, and I'm just like, I like, because we, we had to do player reviews at Fear the Sword. And Chris and I were doing signups beforehand, and he's like, okay, just go through and take any player you want. Um, and I took Sexton. He's just like, do you have to do this one? I'm like, I'll be fair. And he's just like, <laughs> will you be fair or will you stoke the flames because people will take things you say out of context? I'm just like, a little bit of both. <laughs> So I was um, like, uh. yeah, it's a little bit of both, but um, no, I, I said like, listen, Colin is an elite three level scorer. And I said the perception of him coming out of Alabama was he was going to be an Eric Bledsoe type player where he was going to be more of a defensive specialist. You can't really create for others and he can't shoot. Um, it's kind of, of been the opposite. True. Yeah. He can, he, he still struggles to create for others. He can do basic reads like the dump downs of Jared Allen when he like, Mm-hmm. he has three defenders confront him in the paint and he drops it down to Jared Allen like that was super encouraging I'm like I need to see more of that I think having Evan Mobley will make their life a lot easier too I think adding Markkinen as a kick out option for him will be really good I think if Garland gets more comfortable playing off the ball that like that helps a lot yeah too. and if Isaac Okoro's shot is true I think Sexton can be a passable playmaker but I need to see it 
Yeah, it's the exact opposite, though. Like, Colin was not a shooter when he first got into the league. He took a lot of long twos, and it made me want to rip my hair out. Um, and then after he was snubbed for Rising Star, he just started saying, fuck it. And just, like, his haters were his motivation as, like, some of those, you know, cringy graphic t-shirts from when I was in middle school were a thing. <laughs> um, he started bombing away from three, and he shot had a 40%. pretty good yeah, had a pretty good rookie season. Uh, had a pretty good sophomore season. I think my friend and co-host Chris Banning like really intelligently pointed it out during his review for Colin, saying like, "Listen, if Colin wants to take the next step heading into his third season, he needs to start using his athleticism and his strength and his just blistering speed to draw contact and get to the free throw line more consistently because he's a very good shooter. And this will round head out his offensive package if he can just take more free throws and make them because he'll make them and he did. And he did and, that. Like that's that's an encouraging development." And so then my review, I'm just like, okay, let's look at Colin's shot chart. I'm like, a lot of shots in the paint, a lot of shots in the, the you know, the, the, the non-Daryl Morley, or yeah, the non-Daryl Morley land. And then <laughs> about 4.5, I think, to five threes a game, if off the top of my head, if I'm remembering 4.4 uh, this 4. past 4. season. Okay, so I'm just saying, if you slightly uptake that to about, oh, people got pissed the other day because I said, I ranked Gary Trent Jr. over Colin right now. Yeah, I kind of have to. I'd have to disagree with you on that one too. Respectfully I like disagree. Gary, I just like Gary Trent Jr. as a player. I like the idea of him as a player, but I don't. We could argue about that for hours on end, though, because like you could really break down the minutia of Gary Trent Jr. Yeah, this isn't a Gary Trent Jr. versus Sexton podcast. It's not. <laughs> so I just said, and then I followed up saying, like, listen, I think Colin's a better overall player. I do, but the shot profile Gary Trent Jr. possesses is what I wish Colin had. And then Jackson Frank took me out of context, and I was like, buddy, you were wrong. And then he never followed whatever. So um, if Colin took. 8.33s per game like just a rough shot number i'm guesstimating here like his life i feel comfortable and confident in saying like he'll make a good number of those and he will also his off his life will be so much easier offensively that maybe he won't be such a detriment defensively because i think he can be a passable defender he has a seven foot wingspan he has the god-given ability to defend opponents we saw it at alabama yeah i still think that's there but if you make his life easier, if he's more of a – if he plays – and he plays off the ball a lot because of Darius and because of other players too. And let's say, you know, Ben Simmons shows up and Colin Sexton's in a sacrificial piece. Like, it's another shooter for Ben to pass to. But um, I think that make Collins, makes Collins' life a lot easier. But I also think it makes the rest of the offense's life a lot easier too. And, like, that's all I said. And so that's just kind of where I'm at now with Colin. Um, I think he'll sign an extension. I don't think it's going to be as high as some of what his fans will get. I know he was in trade rumors this summer. I know the Knicks and the Heat were really interested at first until the Heat went out and got Kyle Lowry. And then I know the Knicks kind of just brought back, ran it back more or less. One um, rumor I heard was the Thunder wanted Sexton too. Yeah, that's, that was that's the, what I said too. They were yeah, intrigued what, by yeah. the... They're, they're, I mean, it makes sense, though. If you paired Shea Gilders-Alexander alongside Colin Sexton. That'd be nasty. Bad. That's the, it's a nasty tandem in theory, but you need to see it in execution, of course. Like, right. Um, Shea Gilders-Alexander, the man who told the Cavs not to draft him, so they took Colin Sexton after a post-NBA Finals spanking against the Warriors. We, like could, the have, we, could, have drafted a, we could have drafted SGA. The Sixers could have. But, yeah. you know, 2018 draft Alas. is <laughs> – Could have had Mikkel, kept Mikkel Bridges, by the way. <laughs> That's like my the most interesting story to me is like his mom worked for the team. 
and they celebrated it. And he was so excited to play for the Sixers. And mm-hmm. I think he found out ten minutes later, like you're going to Phoenix, dude. <laughs> and it's 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 wild stuff. But yeah, back but, to um, Colin. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to sign an extension. I think he'll be with the Cavaliers long term. I think it's going to be a pretty team friendly deal. Maybe some incentives in it because the other thing that drives people up a wall with me with my Sexton analysis is where I say like, yes, Colin Sexton is a very good player. I don't know if he's a great player, but he's a very good player. And then they're like, well, why don't you know if he's a great player? I'm like, because this Cavs team has not won in his three, almost four years that he's been here. They have been consistently mediocre. They've been consistently at the bottom of the East. Granted, last year they were flirting with the play-in, then they lose to Chicago twice in March, and they did some stealth tanking. Like, Darius Garland had a couple injuries. Jared Allen was setting, like, Isaac Okoro. It's basically Colin Larry Sexton Nance was out of- for a lot of the year, too. Oh, yeah. That yeah. too. And then Kevin Love, you know, surprise, surprise. But mm. towards the end of the season, it was like Colin Sexton, Damian Dotson, Isaiah Hartenstein, um, Jetty Osmond, and then I'm drawing a blank on who would probably Fiondu Cobb and Gale in this scenario. Like Colin Sexton and Jetty, Os- Jetty Osmond is some dudes. And like Cobb and Gale probably won't even be on the team this year, but he's he has a training camp spot right now. And then Hartenstein is with has a training camp deal with the year. Clippers and much to my chagrin because I would call him the future Jokic because <laughs> just real quick, man, I keep getting on these tangents, but I'm excited to talk about this. Isaiah Hartenstein's first game with the Cleveland Cavaliers, like one of the most fun games I watched last year because my man almost had a triple double on points, rebounds and assists. And it was primarily off the bench and no one saw it coming. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating because the Cavs almost won that game. And then Hartenstein lost it single handedly because he was hunting for the triple double. And he just kept throwing the ball like on cuts to his like guard, like guards were cutting on the baseline. He'd like, just like try to barrel it in on a bounce pass and just be like an easy turnover. Or someone, someone just kept picking him off. I'm just like, bro it's like stop stop. (laughs) it's like now's my now's my chance this is a this is a fun development like no and then he's like yeah i talked a lot i like he's like i practice nikola Jokic every day so what do you think i didn't know how to pass i'm just like fair but i think sexton is a polarizing player i think so that was my point like make him be a great player so Justin Rowan in the chase time, and I actually like got kind of heated once when we were talking about it because he gets mad at me because he thinks I hate Colin unnecessarily sometimes too. And I mean, he is a team employee, so he's entitled to his opinion. But um, he t- I, like I ask him, Justin, full stop, is he Donovan Mitchell is like his biggest comparison for like what Colin Sexton could be at his apex, like what Don is. And I'm like, so you're telling me if you remove Donovan Mitchell from the equation with the jazz and you dropped Colin Sexton there, you get the same production for the jazz that you get with Donovan. And he's like, yes, I do. I'm like, you're lying to me. Like full stop. You're lying to me. Yeah. He's just like, no, I'm not. I'm like, yeah, Colin would be really good for the jazz, but like, I don't, I can't say that with a hundred percent certainty because Donovan Mitchell also raised the floor of that jazz team. He's really good. Like he's really good. And like, granted the jazz have a really good, core like foundation around him he raised the floor of that team yeah but like they were they were solid yeah and then don like made them good and then like they've gotten better as they've gotten more experience and he's gotten better every year and my barometer's playoff basketball like donovan mitchell's been a flat-out superstar the last two playoffs oh yeah and with the ankle injury exactly so that's kind of where i'm at i'm interested to see if maybe as Devin Booker is another popular comparison, not similar in terms of play style, but in terms of like Colin has these preconceived because you know me, I used to be a huge book hater, and um, 
and i've been a day one book stockholder baby i understand that so <laughs> again not similar players but like i call them empty empty calorie players we're like devin booker will score 70 points and the sun still lose by 20 kind of situation um colin sexton could go off for 50 points on any given night and the Cavs could still lose by 25 kind of situation i have Maybe a whole Ricky thought on empty calorie like, players that whole that whole I, dichotomy I know <laughs> I know. i'm happy to hear about it but i'm saying maybe ricky rubio is the answer to that maybe <clears throat> a fully healthy darius garland from what i gather darius is kind of just taking the reins of this team and making it his but mm-hmm. That's my crux on a Sexton argument is like, I think he's a very good player. He is, he's, I mean, the expectations for the eighth overall pick are rock bottom low. Like there's never been an all-star that's the eighth overall pick, like off the top of my head, just because he was a Cavalier, like Channing Fry is a notable eighth overall pick and Channing had a pretty okay career. Like, yes, he won a championship for with Cleveland, but he was primarily a good vibes and sometimes a bench spot up shooter for the Cavs at that point. And like, in his last game, he was almost – and he was in his mid-30s and was, like, looking winded because the Cavs made him play 30 minutes because it was a farewell game. And then he got, like, stupid drunk in the locker room off his own beer afterwards. But I I don't know what Colin would be on a very like – like, let's say the Cavs are a playoff team tomorrow. Let's say they are on track to win 50-plus games next year. I don't know what Colin Sexton looks like in that equation, so I don't know how much money you want to pay him. And that's always been the crux of my argument is I don't think the Cavs are comfortable either because you don't want to give this player maximum dollar because you could just say, like, listen, because like, if, if you're Colin Sexton's agent, you can approach the Cavaliers and say, okay, my client has proved every preconceived notion about the eighth overall pick wrong. He is not an offensive liability like he thought he was out of college. He's improved his game in so many different ways. He works the hardest out of everyone. Yep, he hard wants worker. to be here. All this stuff. Like you can throw all the cliches and stereotypes out. And then you can also mention the fact, you know, that the Cavs have promoted him on social media like every given week. Um, they voted him player of the week every week, his rookie and sophomore year, which is just weird stuff when you have like Giannis Adenakumpo in your conference, but mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you could use all that stuff as ammunition, but like I said, I think the market going dry is going to make it tough. And I think the Terry Rozier contract could be the baseline. Like the extension he signed with Charlotte could be the baseline of this extension with Cleveland. But obviously you bump it up a little bit because I think Charlotte's in a lot better of a position just because of LaMelo and then Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. despite his political beliefs, is a pretty good player for the Hornets. Um, not a good person, but a good player. But... Um, so maybe you bump it up a little bit. I have always said for a while, like four years, eighty-eight million would be the absolute baseline. If I were him, I'd accept. But it's some maybe something around that, and then you work your way up, and then like if you put incentives in there, like realistic ones, of course, not saying like oh he's gonna win MVP. Like he makes an All Star game. Like I could see Colin making an All Star game at some point in his life. Hell, he could represent the Cavs next year at the All Star game just because he could get the pity vote or like the fans and the team could really get behind it or something like that or or like all nba honors or something like that or like something bizarre like he wins like a certain award like let's say he does become a bench player eventually and you win six man of the year like you do something like that like realistic goals and make it more incentive laden so like you can keep saying like okay we believe in what you are right now but we want you to continue proving us wrong and we will reward you financially if we do that like that kind of situation and i think that's a pretty fair offer that is that's fair I would say, and also like my, my whole thing, the reason I asked that question and we'll talk about, I wanted to talk about Darius Garland last, but I'll bring him up a little bit now, but like we see this in Portland, like a small backcourt is 
that's just that doesn't work that's just not gonna it's not gonna work and if you are building it to i mean i get wanting to have a successful team and not seeing a team that's in the bottom of the conference all the time and being in the lottery but if the goal is to win a championship or make deep playoff runs a combination of a 6-1 guard um with sexton and a 6-2 guard with Darius Garland sharing the backcourt together. I just don't that's see how that's six two on your part, by the way. I think Darius I'm pretty sure it's a generous height that I gave foot. for. I'm both five players. eleven, and they're a little taller than me. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was generous with both players' heights, to be honest. But um, if that just doesn't work defensively, it might be dynamic offensively. But um, I think that that I mean the numbers you just gave there, I would say that that's a. That's a fair – I'd say that's fair. And if he improves and shatters that ceiling, then that's that's all the better. Um, but there was uh, some more movement. I mean, the same could be said for Jared Allen, too. They yeah. paid him five years, $100 million. They're not going to pay him max dollar because center isn't really – like at least Jared Allen's skill set is in a position of huge need. But Jared Allen's really good. And, like, you're yeah. Cleveland. You have to pay you have to pay him. a little bit extra to stay here. But uh, they could – like, cause like I always make this argument: if you're 22, 23, 24, maybe years old, and you're about to sign a contract for millions and millions of dollars, and you have the choice to live somewhere, why wouldn't you want to live in in Los Angeles or Miami or New York or like a destination market versus Cleveland, Ohio? Which I love Cleveland. I love it. With I will die here probably. That's how much I love it. Like I don't see myself living anywhere else. Mm-hmm. But if I was in that position and I had the opportunity to make millions upon millions of dollars, and you get most of this money paid up front too, like that's the craziest thing. Is also thinking I'm 23 years old and I wake up the next day and my bank account has like 80 million dollars. That direct in deposit it. hits. I just like I'd faint. Um, <laughs> God, I don't even know what I'd do with that money. But like, I wouldn't want to live in Cleveland. It's brutally cold in the winter. If you like mm-hmm. stand here for fun, like I, people are going to be dogging the hell out of this city because they're hosting All Star this year, and like Chicago's older but chicago has more stuff to do than cleveland yeah but I, I didn't mean to cut you off but that's just kind of where i'm at so like the Cavs, i've talked to some folks in the organization they're just like we're well aware of our status so like we offer players probably a little bit more than what the market says they're worth just to convince them to sign on the dotted line yeah so we can retain them well speaking of extensions you guys made another move this summer it's a three-team deal um three-team deal you guys end up getting lowry marketing from the Chicago Bulls and you guys extended him on top of uh, already extending Jared Allen on top of already drafting Evan Mobley Kevin Love still there and presumably hopefully Kevin Love will play some play uh, more often this year than he did last year and, and stay healthy for a bit I'm just wondering the more I'm removed from it I get kind of why they did it because the Cavs were putrid in every sense of the word in terms of three-point shooting um cramped for the two guards and i think marketing well one he needed a fresh start i'm still high on larry marketing i always go back to his second year with the bulls and then i was going through the rosters because honestly like those bulls games over the last in the jim boylan era going into billy donovan they all blend together um but the bull larry marketing the guards he played with uh, aside from Zach Levine, who really isn't a playmaker, not the best crop of guards to play with if you're a big. And also yeah. marketing was hurt. But 
you know, the Cavs needed three-point shooting. I think marketing provides that. But I'm wondering what else he'll provide. And are the Cavs really going to go with, um, I'll just say, a Dollar Tree version of what the Sixers tried to do in 2019-20 where they try to go big ball with, uh, you know, marketing and then Jared Allen. I don't know if Kevin loves in the equation in terms of starting, but I'd imagine the starting my projected starting lineup. And you could tell me if I'm wrong. I'd imagine it'd be obviously Sexton Garland, Isaac Okoro, second year player. We'll talk about him in a bit. Lowry marketing, or maybe Kevin love. If uh, Kevin love has seniority over that position, um, I would personally start marketing, but um, and Jared Allen. So I'm wondering how does marketing fit in this equation? Why do the Cavs have so many bigs? And why am I getting hives just thinking about the Elton Brand Frankenstein team that he put together? <laughs> so it is tough because the Cavs do have a lot of bigs. But I, I present the counter argument that before they had Larry Markkinen, they had Larry Nance Jr. on the roster. Mm-hmm. So they had just as many big men on their roster, just not as much money tied up financially to it as they do Markkinen yeah. now. But you kind of laid it out while you're – Breaking it down, Cleveland was the worst three-point team in the league last year. So in in theory, marketing will make them better because he was a very good three-point shooter. Um, I, I did a feature with him at um, for Facebook Bulletin about him kind of signing with the Cavs, and he joked about it because he's an avid disc golf player, and Cleveland has a disc golf community. And he's just like, yeah, I signed for that, and the fact that there's no traffic. So when it's I go It's been a minute shopping, since I've disc golfed. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it's, it's been a minute for me too, but um, – He's like, also, when I go grocery shopping, it's not going to take me two hours like it does in Chicago versus 20 minutes in Cleveland. I'm just like, ouch, but fair. Um, it's just not that, but I think Evan Mobley they view as a four right now. I think with the money, the TV money coming into play soon, maybe you move on from Jared Allen because his, his deal will look a lot more team-friendly and like interesting if like Evan Mobley bulks up and you think he's more of a five. Mm-hmm. I think marketing gives you the option because I think – Kevin Love is just phased out of the equation at this point. I think when you draft yeah. Mobley and you sign Allen to an extension, like that's two clear indicators that – and then you have Larry Nance on the roster. That's your third one for the time being. Like You have three clear indicators that you do not care if Kevin Love's here or not. No one's really going to trade for him. He's oft injured. He is on the wrong side of 30. He's making $60.2 over the next two years off the top making of my head. Making yeah. 31.2 this upcoming season. Absolutely disgusting. But um, – I'm not going to say he stole it. I mean, I completely encourage players to get them checks. Like mm-hmm. these, I do not weep for the billionaires that have to sign the paychecks of these players, especially when you're Dan Gilbert and you make your money off the financial crisis. Like Jalen Rose of. said, you don't get paid what you deserve, only what you have the leverage to negotiate. Exactly. And I, again, do not feel bad for Dan Gilbert because he capitalized off uh, minority communities, especially in Detroit and Cleveland. But that's just my mm. rant for another day. Um, so the marketing move makes them a better three-point shooting team. I think he will start the season. I think the starting five will be Garland, Sexton, Okoro, marketing and Allen, with Mobley being the primary backup four and five for the time being. But let's say Evan Mobley is just an absolute gangbuster in camp because there's spacing concerns between Okoro, Allen, and Mobley. Like, there's – that's the joke, too, is let's say the Sixers traded – for Ben Simmons, traded Ben Simmons for Love and uh, Sexton. The spacing on that Cavs team theoretically would be <laughs> god awful because then you would have your starting five would likely be Garland, Okoro, 
Simmons, Mobley, Allen. This is before the marketing move, mind you. And even with marketing, it's still not great. I'm just but, imagining um, the defensive coverage to play against that team. <laughs> oh, the the defense defensively, that Cavs team's rock solid. Like Okoro and Simmons would like. Oh, I'm talking about the other help. team when they have to guard the oh, Cavs yeah. on off. That they're oh, yeah. they're just all going to stand in the paint, just like all right, whatever, yeah, shoot it. Stand in the, yeah, go ahead, just go ahead. We we let it fly. <laughs> no man, then Ben Simmons is just going to trick all of you Philly fans and just show that he actually was a three-point shooter all along <laughs> that would be the most hilarious thing i would actually laugh yeah. like a madman like it's, a mad it's scientist. like it's like it's like uh it's like one of the lakers kids left la and they finally had a player development coach in <laughs> new orleans to work with and they finally <laughs> had something to do because like julius randall was pretty good for the lakers and then he became pretty good for the pelicans and then just kind of bounced or then he bounced to the knicks and then became awesome for the knicks but mm. like I talked to Julius about it. He's just like, yeah, no, the Lakers wouldn't let us do any of these things. Like, I talked to Larry Nance about it. He's like, yeah, the Lakers just told me to dunk and rebound. They did not ask me to shoot. They did not ask me to create plays. They didn't care that I played point guard in high school before I had my growth spurt. Like, they didn't. They that's wanted wild. us to stay in set roles. And I'm just like, that's nuts. That's wild. And it is. And then he's like, because then Larry Nance is like, I come to Cleveland and I'm like, hey, coach, I used to play point in college. Like, I can provide some playmaking in, or in college, high school and I can provide some playmaking. And then. Like, I can shoot threes. Like, that's just how the way the league's going. Like, if you're a big man, you need to be able to shoot. Jared Allen said the same thing at media day. He's like, yeah, I'm going to shoot threes this year. He's like, I may not make them all the time, but that's the way the league's going. And, like, met people, players in my position have to be able to shoot threes. And I'm just like, fair. And nothing's better than game reps, you know? Exactly. Uh, Andre Drummond, I cannot, I cannot, I have to come on after you have a little taste of the Drummond experience and just kind of. I'm not going to like it. I already know it. Like, you don't, I mean, you don't, we don't need to do a pod on this. I'm not going to like it. (laughs) I have a sneaky, I have a sneaky theory because Joel hates Andre and Andre hates Joel. They're going to bring the best out of each other every single time they're on the floor. Because in 2K, Doc puts those two together on the floor sometimes, and I have to pause and just chuckle to myself. Think about telling you, then I just unpause. I'm like, I don't want to ruin his day like that. But um, You know, the thing is, Doc's probably going to do that this year. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be here for it. It's going to be when they play Cleveland, too. (laughs) Um, And then Tristan Thompson will be back in a Cavs uniform. And um, (laughs) But so jumping back to the marketing thing, yeah, it makes sense because the Cavs need a backup five, I guess. I think they're going to play Love as a backup four and five. He more or less is going to play – Kevin Love is more or less going to play 15, 20 minutes a night at this point. Like, he is not in the team's plans. He has said, like, I have to earn my minutes in this rotation. Like, I know, like, I'm not really a part of the team's plans going forward. I think Kevin was less than thrilled that he's there, I think. At least from what I gathered, if he – it's like Woj said, like – through that Woj piece, through like through his agent Jeff Schwartz said, um, "Oh, we're not interested in a buyout at this time. Kevin doesn't want to leave Cleveland. It's not because he likes Cleveland or if he likes the team. Like he's Kevin's got thirty-one point two million smackaroos, right? Yeah. There. If yeah. you were, if you had a ticking time bomb that was a calf injury that Jerry Colangelo dragged you across the coals for, um, because his calf injury goes hand in hand with the Achilles thing he was dealing with at the beginning of last year. And yep. so it's, it, it, it's a scary situation. He, he needs time to rest and get it better. And hopefully he is, he said he's better, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad Kevin Love clapped either. back at Jerry Colangelo, by the way, like, oh, that, me too. like, and obviously I'm biased because of what he did to my franchise and how his son tanked the process. But that was, that was some bullshit what he said like and i'm not like i'm not like 
trying to, just, you know, it made me raise an eyebrow when I saw it. I was just like, it was like he's, it was like he's trying to, you know, be healthy and like he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't been healthy the last two seasons, and it's yeah, and it, he's, he's got a calf injury, and then yeah, and it, for him to just do and, that, and, say that, and, it was, and he wasn't wasting a roster spot on Team USA. He's just like I'm not physically capable of playing the way I want to right now, so I'm gonna pull out, so I'm not holding this team back because Kevin Love was gonna get minutes. I feel under Popovich, but we can talk about that in a bit. Um, so marketing is just kind of part of the future plans. He's only 24, which is weird to think about. Um, like you said, his second season was pretty good. And then Jim Boylan became the head coach and became not so good because I guess he had a really good relationship with Boylan as one of the assistants. And it's just, they kind of asked him to be a spot up shooter. They asked him not to bang with smaller players down low on switches and things like that. And he wasn't, he's sometimes isn't the probably got snubbed from Boylan's leadership council too. Probably. And, <laughs> Like Chicago, like for Chicago, his third season, from what I've gathered, like the Bulls were really marketing him and Zach together as like the faces of the franchise, and like they're both going to be representing an All Star and things like that. And then Lowry just did not have a good season, and mm. it is what it is. Um, he's not saying a bunch of dumb stuff like Denzel Valentine is for the. Dude, his media day yesterday was absolutely wild. Yeah, um, that kind he of can defend game. one through four, and mm-hmm. he's in a winning situation despite Chicago. I'm just like, my guy. I'm taking my glasses off for emphasis here. My guy, <laughs> have you seen how the Cavs played? I'm not going to put the video years? version up, but Evan's taking off his glasses right now, recovering from the fireball that was Denzel Valentine's <laughs> media day. <laughs> and I'm glad I paraphrased it correctly because I thought I didn't hear it right. Then I hit tweet, and I'm like, I think I heard that right, and then other people, somebody like texted me. He's like, "Did you hear what Denzel said?" I'm like, "Okay, yeah, I definitely heard it right." But, yeah. <laughs> so marketing, I think, makes sense because Larry Nance Jr. could hit threes, like we talked about, but he was gun shy and he didn't like to take threes. He like he was also he injury. Didn't. He was also he was also injury, injury, injury prone yeah. too. And so, I mean, marketing is also not the healthiest player either, but he's not awful either. Mm-hmm. So. It's it's a bit of a mixed bag, but like we talked about, like he's just an option for Garland in the pick and roll and pick and pop. He's an option for Sexton to make an easy read if he's floating around the perimeter. I think the extra size isn't a bad thing. I'm trying to sell myself on it, but the spacing that he provides, I think, will make Allen's life easier. It'll make Okoro's life easier. Um, and if you roll out a lineup of Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Marketing, Allen with Allen and marketing being the most tenured players of that team like that's scary to think about like I wrote about this for bulletin about Ricky Rubio about how like in like the start so the core players in Cleveland's young core are those players I mentioned plus Evan Mobley that's their average age is 21.6 years old and combined they have an average of 2.3 years of NBA experience with marketing and Allen being the most experienced of the two that's crazy. This team's going to lose a lot because of that. Like, they had go on a West Coast road trip where they played Denver, both LA teams, and Phoenix in that span. And yeah, the like, start to your guys' schedule is brutal. It's tough. So I texted a, 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 a source in the front office when the schedule stuff was starting to leak, and I'm like, so I heard it's Memphis to open. He's like, yeah, we're in Memphis. And he's just like, honestly, we could start 0-10. And, and I'm like, you really think so? And he's just like... Yeah, oh, I yeah, could just wait. It's all it's all play. It's either teams that have been in the play in or the playoffs. And I mean, they do that, then they come home and play Charlotte and Atlanta back to back. Atlanta made the Eastern Conference Finals, and Charlotte's mm-hmm. a very good team. 
And then they go on the road and play Denver, Phoenix, who was in the NBA Finals. Denver's a very good team. Both, LA, both LA teams. And then in Charlotte again. Yeah, Charlotte again. And it's hard to play both LA teams to begin with. Like, it's hard to play there. And and then you Night come Life is home undefeated. for a hot second. And you play Portland, I think, at home. Mm-hmm. And so Larry Nance Jr. will have revenge on his mind. And we got to talk about Larry in a second here, too. But And then you go out to New York. like, And then you play the Knicks. And I think you play Brooklyn soon after that, too. Like, it's a rough opener to the schedule for the Cavs. But the Larry Nance thing, like, it was a PR nightmare when they first announced it. I was just like, whoa, I kind of heard rumblings that he wanted out. And then – but it wasn't officially confirmed. And Larry's one of those guys who, like, wears – cleveland on his sleeve like he's of course he's from northeast ohio like he lets you know he's a browns fan all obviously the time. his dad is a legend you know, too yeah like hashtag gets us is a very popular thing that people say around here mm-hmm. about him um so larry did did it was a pr nightmare and i like i know some folks who are on the social media accounts i'm like i wish you the best tonight as you're work phone gets blown up to smithereens because people are outraged you traded for larry markin who isn't the most popular who had a pretty like people weren't very high on him in chicago and like the chicago he has a distrust in the media because of how hard the chicago media was on him which is fair um but then larry went to chris fedor of cleveland.com slash the plane dealer and penned an open letter kind of similar as the Junus Elgalskis did when he signed with the Miami Heat. We're just saying, like, listen, guys, the only time I've ever been in the playoffs in my career is when my first year here and I made the finals with LeBron. Um, I'm well aware that I have Crohn's disease and, like, I want to play some meaningful – and I'm about to be 30, and I want to play some meaningful basketball with the time I have left in my career. Um, I want my daughter to experience that as she's growing up, and I think I just – I asked the team to trade me and I'm like, okay, well he just saved the Cavs bacon. So they kind of moved past uh, Larry <laughs> dumping on Ohio on the way out. Wasn't the best look with his Portland introduction, but mm. I think, it, I think it's all, there's going to be no bad blood when he comes back to Cleveland in no. early November. So I understand but, why, like I understand yeah. his perspective, but uh, that's my word. Like, uh, that's that. And then like marketing is like a good addition and like the contract isn't terrible. Like the last year is so all, I'll share some stuff I've learned. So originally the offer was Larry Nance Jr. and a second round pick to Chicago for Larry Markinen. And Chicago said, absolutely not. We don't want Larry Nance Jr. Mm-hmm. We want a first round pick. So the Cavs are like, okay. So they got Portland involved, got the first round pick, and then they didn't include the second. And Chicago's like, well, we want the first and the second. And the Cavs are like, well, we don't want to pay Markinen all this money because he's oft injured and like, we don't want to commit all this money financially to all of our big men. So I learned this. Lowry approached the Cavs and said, "Listen, I will make twelve of my last twelve million on my last year of my contract partially guaranteed, so you can waive me, and it only costs them four million if they do that, just to get this trade done because he wanted to get out of Chicago that badly." Wow, wow. Well, I mean, he's not a part of the plan going forward. Yeah. Like it, his agent told me, like of it course. became crystal clear when they traded for Vucevic last oh yeah year. once once the trade for Vucevic happened it was I we all kind of saw the writing, writing on, on the, the wall. wall yeah so and then they they go out and make a couple other moves like to just kind of bolster their big man rotation and it just like wasn't clear marketing was a part of the plan so the Cavs are like you know what we have had successful rehabilitation projects we've had unsuccessful rehabilitation projects um Dante Axon is a very un- I mean Dante Axon just was an unfortunate one but like that's the most recent example of them just taking a shot on a player that maybe 
I mean, this is a lot more money, obviously, than Exum. I mean, Exum made $10 million a year when he came to Cleveland. But you take a shot on this. You see if marketing works. In theory, it makes sense for this young team. Um, I just think the inexperience on this roster can make themselves combust. And I just hope marketing isn't the fall guy for it because, I don't know. He, and, he wanted to come here, too. He, like, wanted to come to Cleveland. <laughs> right. And that's my worry with – so I know the Cavs have – um, and it's been said a bunch, um, whether it be through you or guys like Zach Lowe or, or whoever, but the, it seems like the Cavs have internal expectations of not winning, like, you know, being a winner, but make, taking the next step and making the playoffs via probably I am the play-in because I don't see the Cavs yeah. getting seeds one through six and seven, seven and eight don't. Uh, the, I have to change my calculus on my analysis because seven through eight means you're the play in you're in the play in also now, um, and I don't think the Cavs are going to get the, uh, those two spots either. And I was kind of optimistic maybe they could make the play in, but then I think about it more like even though Larry Nance Jr. was injured, um, and I watched a lot of the Cavs, like especially the first thirty games of the season, the Cavs first 20 games they were a top eight defense they were top eight in defensive rating their offense was still putrid but I felt like Larry Nance Jr. had a big part in that and then when he got injured that's when things started falling apart because Larry Nance was on not, not only a versatile defender but he was a good playmaking big for the two guards and I feel like the lack of playmaking mm-hmm from the elbow unless love gets more minutes but as you're intimating it sounds like it's not he's not a in a going to be in a big part of the rotation I kind of worry a little bit about the playmaking from the big spot to kind of you know alleviate some of the pressure off the guards a little bit um and I'm kind of less optimistic but uh especially for the development of guys like Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro who were who I want to ask about so We'll start with Isaac Okoro first because um, okay. he was touted, obviously, as a really good defender. But, you know, the problem was he can't shoot. His ball handling is a little stiff, or and I'm being generous. Um, yeah. for, and, you know, obviously he has to work on his playmaking. He's basically – he's basically his offense is basically going to be a work in progress for a little bit. But he's a good defender. He had some games where he couldn't score, but he was a – huge plus in the plus minus department because of all the other things he can do um he's a hard he's competitive he plays hard he's a really he's a good defender has size has an nba body already um i'm wondering as in the summer league like he was he was in the too good for summer league category at least from the games that i saw against um the rockets and the magic um at least from scoring but i couldn't really see like a marketed improvement in his handle in the two games that I saw. I didn't see the entire Cavs summer league, but I'm wondering what the expectations are for a What do you think? Um, how, how do you project him heading into the season and just what jump are you looking for in a Because I still think he's going to be a work in progress on offense. See, that's actually a really good question. And I um, asked JB about that yesterday where like, what are you because Isaac was unavailable for media day to uh, due to a non-COVID related illness so he wasn't able to speak with the media so we only heard from seven of the eight players that they kind of lined up for the for the media to speak with mm-hmm. so and he finally is back at practice today which you know oh, everything's good now and then 
But they asked JB about that. So they really wanted to experiment with it because it was just a weird development that happened because, like I said, they, they, the Cavs were kind of stealth tanking towards the end of the season once they knew the oh, yeah. plane was out of reach. Them and Toronto were kind of shameless about it, and it, it worked out for both of those teams. So, hey, sometimes sometimes tanking works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Sixers fans will get it. But mm-hmm. um, so they – so. An interesting because, the, like I said, they they're rolling out Damian Dotson and Colin Sexton as like the point guard rotation for the Cavs, and it was absolutely putrid. And like they're like, we gotta try something else. And Isaac Okoro, you know, showed some playmaking chops at Auburn, but like you said, his handle was a little stiff. He looked a little uncomfortable at times handling the rock. But like you, the, the Cavs are in a losing situation. Why not experiment with this? Why not try this out and see if it works? Um, and to a degree, it did. I think you saw it again in summer league, but the quality of teammate that Isaac played on the side that wasn't named Evan Mobley wasn't the greatest, which not to knock any of the dudes on the summer league lot roster. It also doesn't help that Roger Thomas was just shooting the ball every time he touched it and was really the primary point guard for the Cavs. But I think so to get back on track here, when I asked JB about this, he's I'm like, well, what are kind of some developments you expect from Isaac this year? Well, he physically, he, like you said, he has an NBA body. He is going to be a stud defender in a few. It, it, he could be very early this year. He was like, he had a trial by fire to start his rookie season. Like he was playing LeBron. He was playing KD. He had to play yep. Harden when he went to Brooklyn. He had to defend Kyrie. Like Isaac Okoro had a pretty rough go. And he had to deal with like Chris Middleton and Giannis too. Like Isaac Okoro saw a lot of stuff. Yeah, throughout his time in his rookie season that just really tested him and like yeah he got burned sometimes and other times he looked pretty solid at times too so jb really wants him to explore this playmaking edge of his he really wants him to not be like a primary creator but like a tertiary or secondary creator or just you know playmaking by uh committee that's the Cavs' approach has always kind of been this way and hopefully it works it usually does it but maybe jb felt like it's the team to buy into it um they need to replicate a lot of the defensive losses from Larry Nance Jr., the playmaking losses from Larry Nance Jr. I think Evan Mobley has some playmaking chops too, but I think it's yep. you have to work on it a little bit more. Like he showed it at USC. Like that USC team didn't have a point guard, and Evan Mobley was like their lead playmaker for like their primary playmaker for them out of like as an offensive hub, which mm-hmm. is tough. Obviously, he's not gonna have to do a lot of that at Cleveland, but I think they're gonna try and explore that at times too. But you kind of just play to the strengths of this roster. Like, yes, Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio are going to be your primary playmakers, but you need some secondary creation. And if, especially if Sexton gets kind of some tunnel vision at times, too, you maybe need some other folks on the floor that can move the rock, too. So, Okoro is interesting. I think the bigger question of him is his shot. Um, like you said, Summer League, like, it was clear that he was too good. It was clear that he had a full year's worth of experience under these belt compared to some of these cats. And, didn't really need to play much. I think he proved his point in his limited time there that, like, yes, he's ready to go. I think his three-point shot, um, it wasn't completely broken in Auburn. It's like his handle was a little stiff and needed some fundamental tweaking, just, just some minor adjustments. Um, I, I had faith in the Cavs player development staff to kind of improve upon a pretty decent foundation to begin with, and then yep. they move forward from there. But he put up pretty similar numbers to his rookie season in summer league play. I think... I just, I just don't think he's ever going to be like a huge offensive hub. He's the most, one of the most, more if not most intriguing players, not named Darius Garland out of the young core. I mean, yes, Evan Mobley too, but like my expectations are tempered for him because he's a big man. He weighs 215 pounds. He's going to be probably brought along slowly. The Cavs don't want him playing center his rookie season. He's still kind of raw too. Yeah. 
Like I, I like but I. It's not a huge rush to like throw yeah. Mobley completely into the fire. Like my thing is, um, I know everybody loved Cade Cunningham, and I had I I mean this was probably this past season was probably the least I've watched college basketball in a long time. So I'm going off limited knowledge here, but I thought Cade was the best player in the draft. But I was always maintaining that there's like a 45 percent chance that Mobley could be oh, the yeah. best player in this draft. Well, I love if, big men. If Kate like, Cunningham wasn't in this draft, Evan Mobley would have been yeah. consensus oh, top pick. For sure, for sure. Like and um that I have I, I'm a sucker for big men. Like I used played center in high school, even though I'm six feet yeah. flat and I never <laughs> grew past that. Um my little brother who hates sports is actually six eight, so pain. Uh <laughs> um but uh like Evan Mobley clearly has passing chops. I like his shot mechanics. Um, he's comfortable taking threes. He just has to make them consistently. Um, I just, and the spacing at Southern Cal is pretty bad for Evan Mobley, yeah. too. So, like, he wasn't – and he – I mean, like like I said, he was the offensive hub, so he commanded a lot of defensive attention. But too. you could like, tell, he like, he still – he has some stuff to refine out. I don't think he's ready to be oh, a yeah. center full-time. He's just going to get put under the basket by Joel Embiid, Giannis, Jokic, all those guys. Yeah. So bring I mean, him along same, slowly and bring him same, off the, the bench. The same could be said for Jared Allen, too, because Jared Allen's a pretty thin center, too. But Jared yeah. Allen's just really He's good bulked up a little bit yeah, from his time to bit, Brook- in Brooklyn, but, but yeah, he that same goes for Allen. Um, but like that's like that my player development, like like what does Allen need to do this offseason? And the same goes like they're like because I was like the first thing he's asked, like, have you put on any muscle? He's like, Yeah, I put on a couple pounds of muscle. He's like, How much? He's like, You'll see when they announce the official numbers. I'm just like, Okay, so we'll see if you <laughs> Were they were not. they fudged the numbers a little bit? <laughs> yeah. And then like Evan Mobley, they're like, can you like have you put on any weight since college? He's like, Yeah, I put on like a couple pounds. He's like, I have no problem keep putting it on. I just have a hard time keeping it. I'm like, God, I wish we all had that problem. <laughs> but Evan Mobley's brother Isaac at USC is pretty similar build wise and height wise to Evan, but he weighs 235. So, and he's two, three years older than Evan. So, I'm just going to say, like, for Cavs fans and if anyone's listening as well, like, be patient. Like, don't think he's like going to be real thin his entire career and like just look yeah. awkward, like, on the floor. I think he's going to fill out. I don't think he's going to hit 235, but he's going to probably put on another 10, 15 pounds naturally. Like, I mean, like, no one's gonna have the growth of Giannis, but like, look at Giannis as a rookie, and look at Giannis now. Like, if you put a player in an NBA conditioning program, like they're gonna naturally put on muscle and just bulk up over time. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's funny you brought up the uh, the keeping off weight thing. Embiid had a similar quote today um, about his weight. He he said, "I don't know. I don't get on the scale. It's not good for my mental health," which is absolutely relatable. It's uh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I love it when big guys get me. Like I really do. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Um, but it sounds like Mobley's. He's good. He's definitely going to be getting playing time. It sounds like, but and but it's oh, probably yeah. going to be coming off the bench, um, mostly at the four. Which, you know, I I would probably do that too. Um, I'm more. See, I this is why I wouldn't be a good executive. I'm more of a throw a person in the fire and or throw a person in the deep end and see how they do. I probably would have tried Mobley at the five exclusively, but Jared Allen's there and he just signed an extension, so you're not going to do that. But mm-hmm. um, I think there's there's a lot of like I think for you guys to get the number three pick and to get Evan Mobley, and if you get the thing is like if you, the way to counter this small ball skill ball era is to have a big guy with all this length and height and with the defensive instincts and the skill that Evan Mobley could potentially have. I just think yeah. 
you take that out. That's why I loved Joel uh, way back when, when I wrote a shitty blog on WordPress, uh, I gave the Sixers an A plus for their draft in 2014 when they drafted Embiid. Cause I was in I was like, the Cavs should take Embiid number one. Like, I don't care Agreed. about, I don't care about the foot injury. Like this dude. And it's hard to, com- it's hard to compare big men. Like they take time to develop, but like you, not everybody can be an Anthony Davis or Joel Embiid, but lottery big men they do take time to develop usually unless you're just you know they're a bona fide star from the beginning that's usually how it happens there's no in be- yep. no in between and Mobley is going to take time but you can see the skill sets there and I hope that uh you know the on-court geometry and ecosystem there will you know at least be more conducive than not for him to develop which you know he's playing with good guards which we will get into right now um, but it seems like Mobley's in a good ecosystem. So with I, I think players, so too. yeah, with players, I think he's painfully shy. I know we'll, we'll talk about the guards right relatable. now. Again, can, relatable. <laughs> yeah, no, but like he's no, he's painfully shy. Like his media availability when he was drafted, like the night of the draft, it was one or two or three word answers. Um, his yep. media availability when he was introduced to the Cleveland media, one or two or three word answers. His media availability on media day, like players spoke to the media 12, 15, 20 minutes. Evan Mobley's presser lasted eight minutes, 36 seconds, because he just gave really short answers. And like I went up there and talked to him on the mic, and I like tried to make him laugh. And I'm like, so did Jared Allen talk to you about doing the all big lineup? And he just kind of laughed. He's just like, yeah, kinda. And I'm like, so are you gonna do it? He's like, I don't know, but I think Jarrett's a really good guy, so I'll just do whatever he tells me to do. And that, but Mobley's making the right moves. He's apparently been trying to establish an on-court chemistry with Darius Garland quickly because he knows Garland's Smart. the lead guard of this team. He's been working with Markinen in terms of developing his three-point shot and getting also smart NBA three. And then he's been working with Jared Allen exclusively and like. Like and he's been in Allen's ear all the time to learn about how to defend big men without fouling because that's what Jared Allen's like most elite at is defending the paint and the rim without fouling and like mm-hmm. it's gonna be tough for Mobley at first but like he's picked the right three guys to work with. It's I hard. Think, it's hard to have a, his game. It's hard to have the skill to just have the ability to do poster blocks on dunks, but that's what Jared Allen does. Oh yeah, <laughs> it, he, like he, he's he he crushes the heart of opponents' offense. Yeah, it and. Like I, I was ecstatic when you guys traded for him after you know. Oh, me too. Especially Andre for Drummond. Um, nothing. Which... <laughs> but um, bro, let's talk that was about my, that. Was my most oh, sorry, popular tweet during last season? I think was the Rick and Morty thing. The, the Rick and Morty. Clip oh where yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. He, sh- he he shows Morty what true balance is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like Cavs fans when they have to go back from they have to go back to Andre Drummond after experiencing Jared Allen as the starting five last <laughs> night because Jared, Andre was out, out with I think just like a non, like just a random like injury and in or non COVID illness and Allen comes out and just looks absolutely incredible has like 15 13 three blocks like isn't dominating that the tweet ball had me post. dying <laughs> and then no a few a couple Cavs folks were less than happy about that I but, um, I'd imagine I it, it is what it is I'm like this is it's, it's like true. it's it's jokes the man. experience hardens hardens a man yeah it's gonna i co-host uh, a podcast with a, a chris of my own chris okamura and he's a laker fan mm-hmm. and i can tell you that the same thing you said he has said so i am imagine i imagine when we lakers, do our podcast 
I'm going to be saying the same thing, even though I already know I am. Yeah. But <laughs> like casual Lakers fans and like folks who just kind of do the NBA in general, or like Rachel Nichols at the jump before we found out what a, a monster she is. Um, <laughs> like people were like saying like Andre Drummond is is the is the move that's going to put the Lakers over the top. And I'm like, I've rolled my eyes so many times I could see my spinal cord. I'm just like, come talk to a Cleveland fan real quick, and we'll tell you about the Andre Drummond experience. How about we talk you- to some Pistons fans? <laughs> Oh no! But the Pistons fans tried to warn me. They're like, "This is what you're gonna get," and it was exactly what it was. We, I think, I talked to Duncan Smith about it. He's just like, "Yeah, Andre's like a nice guy. Like he's really friendly, but he's just extremely frustrating to watch on the floor because you think like you look at his box score numbers and you think he's such an elite player. Like he's an elite. And then he'll have a solid, efficient production for like three or four weeks. And everyone's and like, see, cliff. see, yep. <laughs> like, see, there's the Andre Drummond. And then splat, like. But then you figure out that he has such elite, like, especially offensive rebounding numbers is because he cannot make a basket. Yep, he, can. he cannot make a shot within <laughs> two feet of the basket. So he just rebounds all of his misses and tries again. I asked a David. Like, oh, my God. I'm going to I'm like, I'm sitting in the press box. And I'm like, I'm going to scream. He's missed five shots. I got my cast, Sixers. And the rest of the players are just standing like watching with, like their hands up. Like, dude, just pass the ball. I got my Sixers preview out of the way because I just wanted to get it done. And I was talking <laughs> I was talking with David Arroyo, who is a Pennsylvania Pennsylvania native. Um, and I I was asking him, like, is Andre Drummond? a? Uh, it was I can't believe we even ended the podcast on that note. But I was like, is Andre Drummond better than Dwight Howard? And he's like. I don't know. He's fine. He's an offensive rebounder. I was like, yeah, he's elite at missing a layup, getting the offensive rebound, putting it back up, and missing it, and getting the offensive rebound and putting it back up. (laughs) And it was just like, (sighs) but enough about Andre Drummond. He's not a Cav anymore. You know who is a Cav? You know who is a Cav and who I am very high on, someone I highlighted in one of my Sly Hooper videos to be a breakout player. And I know he took a leap his second year, but I'm talking about, like, bona fide breakout, like, put your name on the map as one of the young guards of the future, much like De'Aaron Fox did in his second year in Sacramento um, under Dave Yeager. But I am so high on Darius Garland, um, especially after the leap he took last year, um, taking more threes being more accurate from three his playmaking took a leap two to two to one turnover ratio I really liked what I saw from Garland and I really think and I go back and forth on this because Bill Simmons likes to hold this shit against Devin Booker for not showing up to Team USA which I think is just like I get it players do get better coming back from Team USA but Devin Booker doesn't need to go to Team USA to develop and work on his game like not every player needs to do that but I think the team USA experience even though Garland didn't end up making the real roster I think being around all those players great coaches picking people's picking players and coaches brains on whatever it is I'm just really excited to see what Darius Garland does this year and maybe he can alleviate maybe he can handle a little bit more playmaking without Larry Nance Jr. there anymore and you know, Kevin Love not being in the rotation, probably playing like 10 to 15 minutes a game, I imagine. But yeah. I, I, what do you just, I know you uh, talked about it too, and you've done it on Facebook Bulletin, but just talk about Darius Garland and what are your expectations for him this year? I think he could really, he could be pushing for an all star team this year in the East. I think he's, I think he's going to be really, he's going to be really fucking good. Like he's going to be a cornerstone no. point guard. Oh, I think so too. I think he, 
is taking the reins to become the face of the franchise. Like Evan Mobley long-term will probably likely be the face of the franchise of the Cavaliers. Like I, I am so intrigued by like you and I are in the same vein, but like Evan Mobley is such an intriguing player to me. Like I hate the term unicorn, but like he truly does feel like a unicorn player. If you give him time to properly season and develop, like he could be really looking at something like a really unique player that not many people have ever seen before. But like Darius Garland is firmly taking the reins of this team and saying like, okay, it's my team. Now I'm going to be the leader of this team. I'm going to do everything I can. to succeed. Apparently Unlike Steph Kevin Curry's Love. new favorite player too. Yeah, no, uh, apparently Steph is going to hit him up and work with him when they have some downtime maybe before the season starts. If they have a little bit of just, it's not going to really happen, but we'll see what happens at the same time, just because of the San Francisco law. But like Steph wants to mentor him and work with him, which is cool. Um, but unlike Kevin Love, uh, this Cleveland Cavalier made the most of his experience at Team USA. Um, it, that's my <laughs> wow. Best shot for them. Wow, wow, wow. But um, <laughs> Darius, for me, I think it's all there. I think he is a truly special and cerebral playmaker. I think he could go nuclear from three-point range. I think forgot he's to a mention good. he's a finner, better finisher too. He fit. He yeah. was better at finishing around the rim this past season too. Yeah, like. His rookie season was all about, like, flashes of potential. And you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. I can kind of see why the Cavs took him fifth overall. Then his sophomore season, you started to see games, you're like, okay, I really see why the Cavs took him fifth overall. The next step for me is for him just to remain consistently healthy. Like I said, granted, towards the end of last season. The stealth tank took over. The stealth tank took over, and I think the Cavs kept finding excuses to keep him out because Darius was – really coming on strong the second half of the season at times and i just think that's the next step for him but like you said with larry nance jr gone and maybe kevin love jr or kevin love jr kevin love <laughs> out of the roster yeah there's another, there's another kevin love on the roster um you're gonna have to ask him to do a little bit more playmaking a little bit more creation for his teammates i think having mark in there i think having Mobley and allen there help a lot like Allen is such a terrific pick and roll partner, and Darius they Garland immediately gain chemistry. Um, oh, they're like best buddies too, yeah. so like it helps. Like Darius is going out of his way to build relationships with a lot of these dudes. Like he has been trying to bond with Larry Markkinen and get him comfortable to figure out like where he likes his shots and where he likes the ball in certain spots on the floor. That's one of the things he tried to do right away with Allen. Like the moment Allen was traded to Cleveland, he demanded for his number and like called him and said like, yo man, like do you want to get some shots up at practice the next tomorrow? Like if you're allowed to kind of thing. Like Darius has become, he's really a soft spoken kid, but he's become more and more vocal, the older and more comfortable he's gotten. Like to the point where he's like the vocal leader of this team where like he will pull people. Like, like I said, he's been pushing Evan Mobley, like in practice, like Mobley shared, two days ago yeah two days ago that he's just like yeah Darius pulled me aside and started like got in my face and started screaming at me saying like I need you to talk on defense because you are the back line of this defense and you are going to be the yes. leader of this team defensively one day like I need you to speak up he's like you can't be quiet like this all the time like you need to talk yeah so then like there, he's trying to force him to speak I guess but at the same like it's encouraging to see that and then like Darius you can tell I think knows he has the potential to be great i think an all-star consideration isn't out of reach for him but and he cares he cares about and he cares it. yeah and he cares about it he wants to be here but i think the biggest thing of all is this is intentional on the Cavs part from what i gather but they put ricky rubio's locker right next to darius garland's yeah and ricky in his introductory press conference said like listen and he said this during uh, media day too like he joked saying like, i was gonna bring up Tom ricky rubio Mitchell. so i guess we'll just uh get into it we, like we can talk about them both at yeah the same time. yeah exactly yeah 
um so like ricky joked with the media because they're talking about how like because somebody asked him like are you like a are you like a young guard whisperer because like donovan mitchell made his first all-star team when ricky rubio became his teammate devin booker made his first all-star team his only season with ricky rubio ricky rubio is just like yeah they're all stars because of me obviously. <laughs> yep so and then like anthony edwards last year said like ricky rubio is the best teammate i've ever played with because he cares so much about us young guys being successful and i think ricky made a really good point where he talked about how like i've worked with guys like devin booker I've worked with guys like Donovan Mitchell. I've worked with guys like Anthony Edwards and even D'Angelo Russell to an extent. He's like, a lot of these guys are superstars. And he sees a superstar potential in Darius Garland. And he said, the hardest thing in this league is when you have a great season, following that up with an even better season. Like, you can be great, but what can you do to be better? And he's like, it's my job to go out there and make sure Darius is better every single day and push him. And then in turn, like I said, the Cavs, I think, intentionally sat these two next to each other. Like, Darius has been picking his brain every single day in training camp. Like, they sit next to each other and talk. He's asking Rubio, how can I be a better leader? What can I do to make be a better playmaker to get my teammates involved? Things like that. Like, I think they're forming a healthy, cohesive relationship. And it also helps that Ricky, from the moment he got to Cleveland, has been making, like, a concerted effort to, like, get to know Darius, connect with him, like, both on and off the court, and just, like, have an established relationship. And... You know, it's encouraging to have an adult in the room that actually wants to be here. It's hasn't been that way since Tristan Thompson, and Tristan Thompson can only do so much with Darius Garland. So <laughs> well, having yeah, an actual right. player that can like really push someone with such a similar like position and somewhat similar skill set, like Ricky Rubio isn't a shooter like Garland is, but like that's super encouraging. Same and position, he's solid. Same. Just he's yeah, he, like yeah. I, I I don't agree with JB Bickerstaff saying like Ricky Rubio could start for almost every team in this league. Like I think there's mm, yeah. quite a few. I I think he would be. I I really do think he's going to be traded at the deadline because he's on an expiring contract. I think if he plays well enough for Cleveland. Um, and he's been really level-headed and like opted. And he did say like I didn't expect to be traded. He's like I expected to be traded to a contender, but when my agent told me I was coming to Cleveland, I said okay, I'm gonna make the most of the situation more or less. So, um, and then like Kevin Pangos will be the backup option there, who has like six years of overseas experience. Um, was a pretty good shooter in college, but obviously isn't the player Ricky Rubio is. But um, I I like the Rubio edition just because if you put it this way. In his first two seasons, Darius Garland's primary backups have been Matthew Dellavedova yeah. and Dante Axum. Oft injured point guards. Oft injured point guards who can't shoot. And I mean, like, Axum had that one amazing game for Cleveland last year where you're kind of thinking, like, oh my God, this is why the Jazz took him so high. Like, he's so good. And then, like, he put it all together for one night and then he, like, tweaked his hamstring and just didn't play for the rest of the season. And I, he's back in Houston, isn't he? Yeah, yep. Yeah, okay. he's in Houston. So, I mean, like, I, I wish Dante the best. He's a nice guy. I, but the point is, uh, the point is the no, guards I had, are just... I had a story with Forbes a while back about the Australian wildfires and the relief efforts that Delhi, Dante Exum, and Patty Mills were doing. And Patty Mills was, like, the one leading the charge on it. And, like, I, I talked to Dante about it. I talked to Delhi about it. And then Patty just kept ducking me for the longest time and then like the nba P nba pa is just like yeah this is kind of past so i just don't think it's a usable story anymore i'm just like fuck you patty mills <laughs> but um so like rubio obviously can't stay healthy all the time either um 
like there are some injury concerns there, but he, not as concerning as Della Vadova, not as concerning as Dante Axum, obviously. So like you get an actual option behind Garland. And yep. I also think it's important <clears throat> that you have an adult at that position, because again, to circle back to what we talked about, like really early into this podcast, this is a really young Cavs team and they're going to be leaning a lot on these young players there's going to be times more often than not that they self-combust on the floor and then they completely scramble and the coaches can't go out there and like slowly direct them through. Like you need somebody out a there. A point and extension of, of a head coach. Exactly. And like I'm saying Rubio's more than that because he's a he's a pretty decent point guard to begin with still. But Yeah, he was on a solid Utah Jazz team. Like Ricky Rubio's a yeah. good player. He's just he's, he's a, a player, he's flawed. It's, just, it's just, he's not yeah. going to you know, raise the ceiling of a contender or anything like that. But he, nope. you can, he's a good player. You can, you can definitely use him. I think it's team who acquires him at the deadline is going to be pretty happy with their acquisition. Yeah. Um, I mean, I wish Ricky good. Rubio would have been in Philadelphia to uh, talk to, to talk to Ben Simmons, you know, but, uh, but <laughs> I have to say, I think I owe Ricky smile. I'm going to have to uh, owe Ricky Rubio. Once I cash in my Devin Booker stock, I'm going to have to owe Ricky Rubio some of that money because they find when they finally decided to get an adult, like you mentioned, at the point guard position. One of my best friends who listens is a Suns fan, and we talked about this ad nauseum since Booker was drafted. But once they finally got an adult in the room, and Booker, you know, was able to improve, play off of somebody who knows what they're doing, and somebody who's able to, you know, run give advice. Offense. Yeah, run an offense and. That's going to be, and you know, he Ricky Rubio is an expiring contract, and the value is just going to be in him, you know, settling the team down, setting the table, and developing, helping develop Darius Garland, who is a rising star. I feel. Yeah, if you're a two, if you're a good team guy, like that just helps your. That's what a like just to jump back, like in veterans on this team, it's Kevin Love is the other old head in the room, and people. It makes sense why, because I just think Kevin's on his way out. But I told Chris Manning this the other day. I'm just like, I'm really surprised the Cavs haven't forced down our throats that Ricky and Kevin used to play with each other in Minnesota. And then, like, Ricky says, like, they're still, like, really close. And he's like, yeah, Kevin called me the other day to wish me to, like, welcome me to Cleveland. But I was on my yacht, so I had to call him back. But I forgot to. So he's like, once we're done, I'm going to call him. And I'm like, wow, I wish really I had sweet. that problem. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, sick flex, dude. Oh, oh sorry, from, like, sorry, Evan. I was – uh... Sorry, I forgot to call back, Evan. I was kind of on my yacht. yacht. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah, like I agree. Rubio's on an expiring deal. I think he'll be helpful to this team. Um, I think like there's numbers there. Like the Jazz finally made it click in Donovan Mitchell's rookie year. They made a push. They went 23-8 and eight to finish the year. And then they they made some noise in the playoffs that year. And like... Rubio wasn't the reason for it, but he was a part of it. Like he, like you said, he set the table and like when a team kind of self combusts and spirals, they kind of just reset. He can kind of help reset and balance things out and calm things back down, which is just something the Cavs never really had. And yeah, I mean, like John Bayland is not a, the right coach for this Cavs team, but like, it makes you wonder like John you mean JB. Really... Oh, are you talking about yeah. JB Bickerstaff or John Beeline? I'm talking about John Beeline okay. first. Cause okay. like John Beeline's like safety blanket was Matthew Della Vadova in that yeah. situation. And JB mm. used it to an extent, Delavadova as a safety blanket too. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, these young players are shooting us out of the game and the offense is falling apart. We need an adult to go out there and just kind of calm things down, play some defense and provide some playmaking. Rubio can do plenty of that. And I, I feel pretty, I like, I understand that the Cavs have a, a dire need on wing depth. So I think losing Tor- Torian Prince was 
a little less than ideal. But Torian Prince is also oft injured, and I just don't know how reliable yeah. he can be. He played through an ankle injury, I believe, towards the end of the season and had ankle surgery. I don't know how much he'll play in Minnesota, but I don't hate the Rubio acquisition. I could see it being a long-term play. Like It's like JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee was the good vibes vet to begin last season. Like Things were good, and then it just naturally fell apart because the Cavs didn't have any depth at the point or on the wing, so yeah. it just kind of fell apart on its own. So you, you try something new. Maybe you find a veteran who wants to be here, who makes things better, and maybe Rubio's that guy, and then you just kind of move him on. It's just it's just a good point in his his like his his uh career. And then like if you go to Coachella in a couple of years, you see a Ricky Rubio number three Cavs jersey. Like you're like okay, <laughs> that guy's like unique. Yeah, that family. yeah he, that he gets real nitty gritty. Yeah, that's like, the you, you bought that. <laughs> that's a Easter egg. That's an Easter egg of an NBA reference. That's gonna yeah, be like, a hell of an Easter egg in five years. <laughs> oh, it's like my Larry Sanders. Like if I oh, no, actually no, I I wish I had it. But it's at my parents with my Luol Dang Cleveland Cavaliers oh, jersey. I bought one of those because yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm all in. And Luol Dang had like right when they announced because I loved Luol in mm-hmm. uh chicago but then he had no desire and he just completely quit on the Cavs the moment he got here he's just, just trying to think what it's trying to think of what a sixers equivalent would be <laughs> gerald henderson maybe yeah. <laughs> or something jared like that bayless. jared bayless oh god that was one of colangelo's first mistakes first yeah, one of like one many of mistakes <laughs> um i just yeah people hated bayless and i'm just like like I don't get why. And I watched him like, now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a few more questions before we dip out, but first I want to ask, um, we've talked about JB Bickerstaff's, uh, I guess his vanilla offense and the lack of creativity with his offense. Now I understand he doesn't, he has a lot of, he has had young players so far in his tenure with the Cleveland Cavaliers. And it's hard to, you know, maybe, you know, you're trying to fit the system around an amoeba pretty much, just a constant yeah. fluidity of players and who know. And also, like, if I'm being honest, the Cavs' young core, I still have questions about it. Like, is it a solid, solidified young core for the future because of the fits and stuff? Um, but now with Darius Garland and Evan Mobley, I think you guys are set, in my opinion. But, like, earlier before that. Um, I'm wondering, so I, I kind of think having a lot more talent will help kind of mass that a little bit, but is there any coaches on the staff that are like going to be an offensive coordinator or something like that, or to help JB out a little bit this year? Cause the offense was bad all year, even when you guys or last year, even when you guys were, you know, making some, a little bit of play in noise, some brief play in noise. And I'm just wondering what you think about the offense and how it's going to look this year. It's probably going to be bad, but I'm wondering if it's, if this the there's nowhere to go but up type of scenario so it's complicated um no i jb bickerstaff is saying all the right things and i think he is the right coach for this team right now because he connects well with this roster he's not mm-hmm. trying the college method like bayline i think we need more black coaches in this league so i'm not yes. calling for his job um, but Lindsay Gottlieb left to take the head coaching job at Southern California for their women's team. And mm-hmm. she was a player development coach. She was key in the development of Kevin Porter Jr. and Darius Garland. She helped with Jared Allen a little bit when he first came to Cleveland, like to encouraging him to shoot. Um, but 
there was a vacancy on the uh, coaching staff. And I wrote about this for a few of the sword and saying like, this is like one of the biggest needs for the Cavs is like, go hire an offensive coordinator, go get Kenny Atkinson. And then Kenny Atkinson goes to the Clippers, I believe, or is mm-hmm. it the Warriors now? Either way, he's in California. And I was like, okay, swing and a miss. I'm like, Jordy Fernandez probably won't come back to Cleveland, but maybe if you offer him enough money, he could be the lead assistant on Bickerstaff's staff because Jordy Fernandez used to coach the Ben Canton charge before they became the Cleveland charge. Um, that didn't work out. They brought in Sidney Lowe, who has a wealth of experience coaching at the collegiate level. He used to be on, um, he used to be a Cleveland assistant in the nineties under Mike Fratello, which is just, you know, just an interesting footnote in his career. He was with the Pistons as a player development coach. The Cavs are still prioritizing player development. Um, so I think the offense, like, so to, to jump ahead, no, the Cavs didn't hire an offensive coordinator. If you happen to be a regular listener of my show. I was banging my fist on my desk like every day saying like, the Cavs need to hire a coach that has an offensive mind. Like you run it like an NFL team. Like you have a coach that'll set up an offensive system that kind of makes it conducive and more modern for this team to work efficiently instead of Andre Drummond post-ups and being a one read vanilla offense, because that's the worst thing with Cleveland's offense last year is like they would run one player, one set, and then it would break down and then it would just fall apart and they wouldn't know what to do. And then it turns into heavy isolation play between Garland and Sexton. And then like occasionally like kick out still Coro or like dump downs them Allen and stuff like super frustrating stuff altogether. Um, so I think it's gonna Like JB Vickerstaff is saying the right things like on media day, like, well, what do you want to do with the offense? Like I want to be more modern. I want to shoot more threes. I want to play at a faster pace. I want to do this, this and that. And I'm like, okay, this is encouraging. Like I'm resonating with it. Then literally five minutes later, he's like, well, people fetishize the three too much and say like he's like i don't want to be a team that just guns away from three like i feel like you know like houston like houston rockets of like the old days with like hardened and and mori at the charge and like d'antoni running the offense kind of says to his situation he's like i i still think in this league the it's games are won in the paint first so i'm just like (laughs) <laughs> it's the same offense as last year because Cleveland's <laughs> offensive apex was getting an established presence in the paint, whether it was through Andre Drummond and Jared Allen, and then defenses were forced. And then like Colin Sexton attacking the basket or Darius Garland attacking the rim. Like then you force defenses to collapse and then you kick it back out to shooters on the perimeter. And then you take your threes there. Mm-hmm. That is the approach Cleveland had last year. They're going to try that again but maybe at a faster pace, maybe marketing the addition helps there. Maybe Garland being healthy and Sexton taking more threes helps there. Uh, maybe Mobley becoming a shooter eventually helps there, but I think the Cavs are going to be a very good defensive team. Like I think a is going to take that next lead because he's just bigger. And he now knows how to defend an NBA player and he's had a full season under his belt. I think Mobley is going to be very good right out the gates because I think that's just going to translate the easies from USC. Yeah, those things I in agree. This game. And like I Jared agree. Allen is just, so good defensively. Fantastic. Like those three are going to be great. And then spacing wise, it's going to be a mess offensively. And then I don't know. It's going to be. Sounds like a lot of the shit. It sounds like a lot of the shit. Um, Sacramento Kings fans heard Luke Walton say when he first got hired, it's like, yeah, yeah. we're going to, yeah, we're going to play fast. We're going to shoot threes. And then JB's like, we're going to get the ball off the floor as quickly as possible. And if you're open for three, we want you to take it. I'm like, yeah, that's encouraging. Like but it's honestly unacceptable done here to make that happen like yeah, yeah you, you can't just like say oh we we traded we signed and traded for larry market and we're good we don't need any more shooters i was gonna say it's honestly unacceptable that the kings the last two seasons have been outside of the top uh 
hovering around the top 10 in pace when the two when the year before Luke Walton got hired they were top three like you might want to speed up the pace with De'Aaron Fox but that's neither here nor there I'm going to talk Kings with Nick Agar Johnson next week so that will be fun um but uh real quickly just quick answer on this because I'm only going to bring this up once are the Cavaliers in the running anymore or were they ever in the running for trading for Ben Simmons is this ever going to happen I would like I would like, you know, one I would like Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, but that's never going to happen. No, <laughs> um, but what do you, wh- wh- how were they even interested? Were was yeah, there preliminary preliminary talks? I mean, I I imagine there had to be. I think it'd be remiss of any NBA team not yeah. to be interested in Ben Simmons. He's in his mid 20s. He's a perennial defensive year, player of the year candidate. He's an all defensive caliber player. Yes, he has his lumps in terms of shooting, and I can diss him for it all the time. But, like, I love Ben Simmons as a player. Like, he's a big body playmaker. You don't play him at the point, you play him at the four or the three, and you put some shooters around him and make the spacing work. I think it's hilarious what he said about Joel Embiid. And then what Embiid clapped back with today was even funnier because oh, like Embiid unloaded the clip today. Built a system around Simmons to make it work. And like Embiid is like the perfect center to play alongside Simmons. But alas, um, whatever. Rich Paul. That made me hate. Ways. That made me hate record a video. That the same day I hate recorded a Ben Simmons video reacting to that Sam Amick report. I, I I did the Sixers preview with David Arroyo. So that's why I'm yeah. Simmonsed out, and I only want to w- ask yeah, one it. question. <laughs> so to answer your question, broad stroke, I think it'd be remiss of all 29 and other teams not to be interested in Ben Simmons. Like he makes he's a talent play if you're the Cavs he would make your team better I think you would really push the needle towards them being a playoff or play-in team like you yes there are questions about what he would bring to the table in terms of spacing like I question the fit with a Coro Mobley and Allen like it's a lot worse if you have Simmons a Coro Mobley and Allen but like you figure that out later because Ben Simmons naturally just makes your team better I think the Cavs just cannot offer a package that Philadelphia wants to bite on. A lot of this is posturing on Maury's part too. Like he's yeah, and why wouldn't you? But like at the same time, it's wild to think that they waffled on trading for James Harden because of Ben Simmons, and now some of the best offers are like Malcolm Brogdon in a pick. It is wild. Kevin Love and Colin Sexton in a future pick or two, like. That's wild to think about. So I think the Cavs, they could have a chance, like something could happen. I think maybe Sacramento could be a destination for him if they can really get the Kings to do something stupid. But I also don't know because maybe the Kings are being run confident. That'd be so now. funny if Ben Simmons was sent to Sacramento and I go to Kings games to cover, you know, the Kings and Ben Simmons. Uh, that would be uh, some real funny synergy right there. <laughs> he, tells, he tells Philly, I want to move to California, but they send him. I mean, I, no disrespect to Sacramento. but It's like, an underrated he, city. It's, it's, I believe saying. it, but he has like Los Angeles in his mind. Yes, uh, yes, um, yes. Or the so Bay think, Area. I think, I think Cleveland had like a one, like a five to ten percent chance. Um, I know I reported on it a bit. Like, yeah, the Cavs have been interested in a while. And like I said, it's remiss of every team not to be interested. But I, I would think Cleveland had like a. And the other thing is, like, Ben is open to coming to here. Like, Rich Paul has a very good relationship with the Cavs organization. Darius and Ben are super close. I think Ben wants to go yep. to a situation. Like, I heard from a source close to the situation, like, Ben just wants to go to a team where, one, he feels wanted, and, two, he knows he's, like, clearly the best player when he arrives. If he came to Cleveland, I think it's pretty obvious he's the best player yeah. on this roster. So, 
Like, Cleveland is an ideal scenario, but I just don't think they can cobble together a package without completely mortgaging their future. Because, like, I think Garland's off the table, and, like, Philadelphia's not going to want, like, the stable of big men that Cleveland has. Like, yeah, Lowry Markin, in theory, would be fun next year while Embiid, but, like, at the same time, like, maybe if Philly mm-hmm. gets a third team involved, then they reroute Colin Sexton somewhere else. Because, like, Colin Sexton makes sense, but if you're Philadelphia, you never want to get a veteran who's, like, more established, you know, yeah. now. Because that's that's we can go back to my argument about Sexton. What does he look like on a great team? Like if you drop Colin Sexton on Philadelphia, do you get the same production you do in Cleveland? Maybe not. And then Colin Sexton could also piss Joel Embiid off really fast too. Yeah, he, yeah. Colin Sexton pissed off quite a few players in the Cavs last year. And um, Joel Embiid, just, he's even talked about it a few times. Like it's hard yeah. to get his trust. Like especially, and I don't blame him with the multiple front office regimes and the crazy shit that's happened in Philadelphia. But uh, yeah, yeah, you want to tread so, lightly with the like big a, man. Yeah, All right. You want to trade with the best players. So I give him like a 1% chance at this point. Like if I woke up, like we wrapped up this call and the Cavs trade for Ben Simmons, I'd be stunned, but I also wouldn't yeah. be surprised because, I mean, it, it's going to be a long, drawn-out process. We'll see All right. Happens. No more Ben Simmons talk. Last question. Last question. <laughs> we did the wide Sorry. receiver incomplete sign with the yeah. no more Ben Simmons talk and Evan hit his mic. But last question. When it's all said and done, do the Cavs make the play in? Do no. you th- no? No. And here's my argument because I have a list pulled up in front of me. Mm-hmm. So let's go through the top eight teams in the Eastern Conference. Yes, I think let's. it's Brooklyn, Brooklyn one, Milwaukee two, Atlanta three. You can waffle between Miami and Philadelphia for four and five. Mm-hmm. The Knicks are going to be solid. The Celtics, I I like the Udoka hire a lot. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are both phenomenal. Like the Celtics are going to be in that consideration too. Mm-hmm. The Bulls were my most disappointing team last year, but I love I love their off season. <laughs> I love their off season. Um, we'll just see if Billy Donovan can put it all together. Like the Bulls will be in the conversation. The I Knicks, think the Raptors, the Knicks. Yeah, the I think the Raptors will bounce back. I think them playing back in Toronto, not being as Grant. Tampa is huge. Like I like the Scott. Either the Raptors are going to be really bad, or they're going to be just okay to make the yeah. play in. Scenario. I mean, they the still Wizards. have OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, yep. and Fred Van Vliet. Like they're and good. they have I, Nick Nurse coaching. Yeah, that team. and Nick, Nick Nurse yeah. is like one of the best coaches in the league. Yeah, that, I think I personally think he's top two. Um, yeah, uh, but mm. yeah, like, he's a. I I love Nick Nurse. I love the shit I do that too. he. I love the shit that he did. He I I just I like I like Nick because he throws shit at the wall like he tries everything and if it works it doesn't but at least he's willing to try stuff um i'd say the pacers yep. too could you yeah, could the see an pacers are up there with the Rick wizards Carlisle. the wizards has they i like the spencer did acquisition i think getting kyle kuzma in theory makes you better I think <laughs> we're already at like nine or ten um, teams so yeah i guess that's the yeah, argument right and then there. you it, the, the hornets mm-hmm. are going to be better next year like actively next season, the only two teams trying to tank are the Magic and the Pistons. Like the Cavs are going to try their best to be a good team. Yeah, I just think the rest of the Eastern Conference, outside of Orlando and Detroit, is better. I think the and that's East kind of where I'm is... at. Like I think they'll be in the conversation. I just don't think they'll make it. I think the East actually heading into the season might be the best conference. Um, I agree with that. I think. I think the, the West is. There's a lot more the questions in the West. Of 
KD coming to the East really set the tone on that. And I think Giannis, and Giannis staking his claim, I think, is the best player yeah. in the world. Is uh, and then like it, Atlanta's going to be scary too because they now know how to win. And like Nate McMillan is making the Pacers organization look super idiotic right now. I took some truth serum on the Sixers preview pod. I think Atlanta is going to be fucking fantastic. I think they're going to be better oh, than Philadelphia. Too. I think they're they, their ceiling could honestly be the two seed. I don't. I think Brooklyn's the undisputed favorites but i think i i I just love atlanta but what were you gonna say Uh, i do too i think trey young becoming a villain is such a fun development too like oh it's such a fun everyone to hate too and and the fact that it happened in new york too and being so dicky to the knicks and like just ripping the hearts out of knicks fans and like making an effort (laughs) and then showing up at a wwe event in madison square garden and just stoking the fire (laughs) the league needs a player for like their most popular market to hate and mm-hmm. if it's trey young and it's atlanta like atlanta's a fun story it's a it's a historically black city with a black coach and they have a really good young exciting squad like, yeah this is a good situation oh yeah for the league. and joel Embiid was kind of that heel for a bit too but i think he's now that he's older and has a dad or has yeah. a dad what kind of what jordan what are you talking about but he does have a dad but i'm talking about uh his, he has a son now he he's a- he is a dad now um i think he has different he's got perspective the lebron energy now yeah got he's it. got Embiid with dad strength oh my god but um <laughs> but uh i i he, he's not the heel anymore and trey young is uh he's like uh the deku to all might he's he took the one for all um quirk for uh he being a heel and has just ran with it um but yeah this is it we just named 12 or 13 we named 12 teams and i honestly I'm, I kind of like the Magic too. I like a lot of their players. I like. Yeah, I'm, I do too. But I, I still have Wendell Carter trying to win. Yeah, they're not. They're not. But I like the Jamal Mosley hire. I like. I like all the guards they have. Um, I'm still holding on, clutching on to my Wendell Carter Jr. stock because um, now that he's in a new Same. situation. Um, but the cat is not a. I I can't see the Cavs making the play in either. Um, I think they'll be in the conversation like last year, and then maybe we'll see some self tanking. But yeah. unfortunately, that also might cost JB Bickerstaff his job. That's the only thing that sucks is like Kobe Altman and JB Bickerstaff could be gone after this season, and the Cavs will rinse and repeat. And then you yeah, I'll be talking about how good the Cavs will be in four years again. And then I'll just become I'll be in my mid thirties at that point. <laughs> maybe the Cavs are relevant, and I'll just it makes me sick. It makes me want to spit. <laughs> I'm not gonna do that because it's my apartment and I have to clean it up afterwards. And I'll just be like, "Why did you spit on the floor?" <laughs> your cat will be looking at Finnegan. Will be looking at you like you're crazy. Um, Man, he ditched like right when we started recording. He was like laying on the arm of my couch, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice." Just well, I don't blame him. We went we went almost two hours talking about Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't think it. I, I don't. I don't think uh, even the most hardcore Cavs fan would want to sit through that <laughs> no i'm just kidding um yeah, but i did take up too much of your i did take up too I much of your time talking about the Cavs, but i just think it's they're one of the young teams that are just intriguing because there are odd fitting young players that fit together uh but you guys also have you know the point guard and the franchise center which i think is just essential as the backbone of a team if you're trying to build it out so um it's i really appreciate the time man um and every time every time we come on these pods always go long but you're always fun to talk with about calves basketball whatever you're the homie as always you're always welcome to come back if you ever want to vent um so 
Evan Damarell, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming on the show. Please check out Write uh, Write Down Euclid. He on Facebook Bulletin. Evan's new uh, independent venture. Check out Fear the Sword. Check out the Locked On Cavs podcast with uh, his co-host Chris Manning, and just check out all. Follow uh, Evan on Twitter too at Am Not Evan. Um, he has been. It's been really cool to see uh, your rise the last two to three years. I got the blue check mark. It means I'm an authority on yeah. all things computers, <laughs> folks. Exactly. And David it, Locke calls me an expert on Locked On. I laugh and roll my eyes. Like, oh, buddy. Yeah, I you, told my hey. I told my product. I told my boss I got to stop doing these anecdotes. But I told my boss I'm like, you have no idea what you just did <laughs> by giving me this check mark. Hey, I, I'm still trying to. Uh, there's a Twitter account that's been inactive since 2010 that has my full name and it's at, and I they won't do anything to deactivate it or anything like that. So I'm still. Jack, ch- if you're listening, help Jordan out. Yeah, please, because there's only one Jordan Christmas. Uh, but uh, yeah. All right, Evan, this was fun. Thank you again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. Hopefully about other fun stuff because uh, I want to revisit. I'm not going to revisit Attack on Titan, but there are some fire anime that uh, and other video games and all that stuff that I do want to yeah. talk about. Hopefully a PS5 will. will be available soon because yeah, I love the upcoming games that are coming up this year. But uh, yeah, I, I can't relate personally. But uh, okay, <laughs> my dad did the same thing. He's like, yeah, man, can't really. Oh, you can't find a PS5. Can't relate. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, all right, whatever, Dad. Can I come over and play Miles Morales? <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, a good Evan, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks to Evan again for hopping on the show and giving his insight on the Cleveland Cavaliers. It's always good to talk to him, learn some interesting things. Very, I'm very much hoping for a Darius Garland, De'Aaron Fox esque breakout type of year from Garland this year. I think he's going to be really special. Um, but shout out to the homie Evan shout out to you, the listener for listening to this podcast, especially if you made it this far because it, we did go long, but it's always fun to, uh, it, that's just what happens when there's a fun conversation. Like I mentioned off jump street at the beginning, it's always just fun to talk hoops with the homies and you sometimes you'll get a long pot out of it, but thank you for listening. Please spread the word, leave a five-star rating. If you like. Leave a review if you want to, but please spread the word. It'd be much appreciated, and we will see you next time. We will be talking Sacramento Kings, and we're going to be talking about it with superfan Nick Agar Johnson, another good buddy of mine, former hashtag basketball teammate. Well, I guess technically I was back on hashtag this year, but uh, we are hashtag we are former hashtag basketball teammates, and. It'll be fun to talk with Nick about the Kings, another interesting young team that kind of has had some history in terms of franchise dysfunction, but we'll see how the outlook looks uh, now that training camp's here. But anyway, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for next week, and until then, deuces.